I'd like to sing a song about the American dream. About me. About you. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. The In which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me, one more time, Mr. Adam Buncher. Top 10, baby! Mr. Andrew McDonald. It's been a pleasure. And Mr. Nathan Harrison. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Yeah! 90 songs have been and gone, and we are finally here. I feel so much older right? than when we started. We're a little older. We're a little wiser. Mm, We're yeah. starting to grow hair in really weird places. Yeah. Starting to feel a bit like yeah. Sasquatch. More fur, but there was no fur before. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've met uh, an old female bunny. Fluffy bunny. Yeah, fluffy bunny. I've met fluffy bunny. It's nice. It's lovely. We've got a thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, this isn't the hottest 90, my friends. This is the hottest 100. And so, on that note, on that note, we are going to be looking at, according to the Triple J audience of the time, the 10 most popular songs of 1993. Let's not waste a minute more. And number 10, this is Atomic Swing with Stone Me Into The Group. In the 1993 Hottest 100 with Stone Me Into the Groove. Andrew, the floor is yours. Well, I guess yeah, they can't all be zingers. Honestly, this will be, I predict, one of the shortest discussions yet. What is there even to say about this song? It is absolute ge- generic number 87 core. <laughs> it is okay, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. guess it had its fans. It yeah, must, it must, must have. It's just yeah, way too many. Honestly, I don't know what to say about this song. Apart from the fact that listening to it, I thought it was too long. Had more fans I don't than R.A.M. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about it. Well, I have something to say. 
Nicholas Frisk is one of the best names for a human I have ever That's heard. Pretty good. That's yeah. a great name. Nicholas Frisk. Also, like, is that the lead singer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Nicholas. Yeah. Just by the by. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. It's, it's it's like it's not Nicholas. It's Nicholas. Nicholas. Nicholas Frisk. Nicholas Frisk. Best thing about the song. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I listening to it. I was like, I can kind of imagine being in like a backyard, hanging out with some people in a pool or whatever on a, on a summer afternoon and singing along to this song. Like, I, I kind of get that. But then also, the song is kind of rubbish. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit. I think the fact that we could only find a VHS rip of this video on YouTube says a fucking great deal about this band. It's been forgotten. It's totally, just, and, and does, I get why does, it's forgettable. Honest, honest, honest question: Does anyone know anything about this band apart from this song? Oh, I, I do. I hadn't heard the name before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. neither have I. So, yeah, what, yeah. What, what have you what have you discovered in your in your research? Well, I'm, this one's for Nathan mainly. Nathan, you've got a thing about uh, bands that reformed in 2007. Oh, did they? <laughs> no, oh. 2006. Oh, I'm not oh, interested. Yeah. Pretty close. That is the only thing I know. And also, this this album, what the album just came off, won a Grammy or two Grammys. Fuck off. Oh, yeah, once a Grammy. I've never heard that most incredible of awards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Grammy. Yeah. Oh, it's Grammy a Grammy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, to me, honestly, what can we say about it? It's so boring. It's, like, to it's, me, not, it's like, not that boring. It's just nothing. It's just it's it's another one of those tunes that we've mentioned. There's been about a dozen of them that yeah. we just we always say, oh, it's just a beige track. There's nothing remarkable or negative. This about is it. capital B beige. Yeah. Sweden Sweden has an incredible history of rock bands yep. and punk bands and yep. hardcore bands. Yep. Everything from the Helicopters to the Hives to Refused and back again. And then you've got this band who. Honestly, could be really, really clever satirists where they saw <laughs> where they saw shit like Urge Overkill, and then they were just like, "Hey, let's make fun of the American rock music." Hello, we are American rock band. Yeah, rock and roll. And yeah, they, yeah. They're just trying to do that honestly, and it's kind of it kind of comes across as you know, like how in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you have Ford Prefect who's trying to be a human. Yes, it feels like that's what this is. It's kind of like... <laughs> maybe they are aliens. Maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't put it it's past more plausible than this being a legitimate song. Maybe Nicholas Frisk is actually the Lizard King. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I in my notes I wrote fun. I guess. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was yeah, it. I, yeah. I, I guess it. I can imagine having fun with this. Yeah. But it's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, 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 I'm gonna have to call it there. We're done. This song is. There's nothing to say about it. We are. We are officially stoned out of this groove. Yeah. See you later, boys. We heard them all the way back in the nineties with Delivery Man, and we also heard them in the twenties with Black Stick. Ah, and here we are at number nine for their third and final appearance in the 1993 Hottest 100. It's the Cruel Sea with The Honeymoon Is Over. my bed no more, you can't ride in my car, I won't let you go for me baby, it's never gonna get that far, I'm gonna send you back to wherever the hell it was you came, and then I'm gonna get this tattoo, change to another girl's name, oh it ain't no fun no more, I don't know what to say, the honeymoon is over baby, it's never gonna be that way. Come on. 
church no more. You can't make a love to me. <laughs> I don't gonna be dumping no more. It's the way it's gonna be. I should have left you, baby. Back in that last time. Just the time to fool you, made me go. I'll never live it down. Oh, it ain't no fun no more. I don't know what to say. Your honeymoon is over, baby. It's never gonna be that way. The Cruel Sea at number 9 in the 1993 Hottest 100 with The Honeymoon is Over. It has been documented on this podcast how much I fucking love this band yeah. and how they were the first band I ever saw live uh, back in March 2002 when I was 11. Yep. So uh, Great first. Yes, incredible mm-hmm. first. I came into the uh, knowing who The Cruel Sea were on the back of their 1998 album Over Easy but, of course, I rediscovered uh, a lot of their work uh, later on once I worked my way through the discography and found this classic. The t- This is the title track from the album of the same name from 1993, which is an absolutely amazing, thoroughly consistent record, which I strongly recommend if you are looking for what Australian rock music was capable of back in this era. This is a crowning achievement for Tex Perkins, considering this guy has been responsible for some of the best known and most beloved uh, work in the history of Australian rock music. This is up there as one of the greatest rock songs in the history of Australian music. The the slide guitar, when that kicks in, those guttural Tom Waitsisms, the like when that comes in, it's like, fuck so, yeah. yeah. Those yeah. snarling put-downs of, I'm going to send you back to wherever the hell it was you came, and then I'm going to get this tattoo changed to another girl's name. <laughs> there is nothing more crushing than that. It's just like, oh shit. It's so rock. The, yeah. just, so that, rock. just that moment of, I've made, it, it, it's that moment in Arrested Development development where Will Arnett's character says to himself I've made a terrible mistake (laughs) (laughs) and it's that ultimate realisation this band is in my blood I I will always love the cruel sea Uh, and even with three songs in the hottest 100 they could have had even more and I would this top 10 could have been top 10 cruel (laughs) sea and I would have been completely okay with that. Well, I mean, on that, they've had the most amount of entries in the 1993 Hottest 100 out of anyone. The only one, yeah, yeah, tied with Michael Stipe. Yeah. So this, yeah, none of you want to count Trout. I don't want to anything Trout. (laughs) But you know, like the as far as I'm concerned, I'm happy to call the countdown of 1903 belonging to the Cruel Sea. Like they are the absolute real. Sure, yeah. Yeah. They they have probably the strongest presence in this countdown. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, not only because of the number of songs, but also the the fact that all the songs are so good. Like they absolutely rip shit. shit. Like I kind of think that this is maybe the least inventive of the three that we've heard. Like, that's it's the most straight-up blues rock, which isn't a bad thing by any means. Yeah, that's, what, ma- that's, what, made it, that's like, what made it the most popular. It's a killer song. But yeah, yeah like, I think there's there's slightly more interesting stuff on the rest of the album. But this is... It's just so good. It's so big. Yeah. It's so fun. It's honestly... It's, it's just it's just oozes charisma. Yeah, and it's totally. Like, yeah. It's, it's just too fucking cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Every, like... Like, I guess you could think, like, there's certain... Like, the fact that it... Like, the, I guess the sexiness of it all and like, the kind of proto-masculine... Like, like, oh, this woman's done me wrong. I'm changing my tattoo, kind of thing like that. And if it wasn't done with such a, with such goddamn swagger, you could criticize it, but mm. it, you can't. It's untouchable because it just, 
it kicks ass so fucking it hard. It owns what it is. Yeah, it so, owns precisely, yeah. so faithful. Yeah. The guitar tone slays Texas voice in top form. Yeah. The Mau 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 Mau's is just the best, obviously. <laughs> Don't yeah. go past it. Yeah. This is this is it for The Cruel Sea. If I, when I think of The Cruel Sea, not just because of the popularity, but sure. this is the song I think of. It is totally. just... Is Rock City. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Rock City. And also, great breakup song if you don't want to feel yeah. sorry for yourself. Oh, yeah. 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 If you'd rather just jam down the highway yeah. in your pickup. If you don't like, you know what? Yeah. 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 I love that this is so close to Everybody Hurts. Yeah. There's two ways, there's two ways <laughs> yeah. you can go here, guys. Yeah. There's two roads, and one of them is the Tex Perkins Road. Yeah. So they, I mean, like, I don't have a lot to add about this song that I haven't already said in other Cruel Sea songs, but I think. The fact that I could say all the same things that I've already said and apply them again to this song, it kind of means that you've got a great thing, and not only that, but you have ways of reinventing that thing and keeping it across tracks and making all those tracks phenomenal. And that in itself is the biggest compliment I can Totally, give. yeah. So, Ace. Just Ace. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Tex, we love you. We fucking love you. Also want to give a shout out to Jim Elliott, the band's drummer, who mm. I was pen pals with. Uh, hey. When I was when I was about nine, I, was he in I, prison? Fucking eight. He wasn't in fucking prison. <laughs> this was when we could actually write to people. No, oh, okay. no, no. Seriously, like in in the band's liner notes, there was like a, a, a mailing address, and I wrote to the Cruel Sea, and I told them how much I loved Over Easy. Dear and, the Cruel Sea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 that's seriously yeah. what I did because I was just like, well, they've got a they've got an address. I might as well yeah. tell them, and. Sure enough, Jim wrote me back, and that is you know so we kept cool. we kept in touch for many many years. I believe he's uh, out living in Bondi. I might uh, might hit him up hit and see if up. we can get him on the Grab podcast. A coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, so at least sh- tell him to listen to the, the show, and, and oh, know, for he sure. wants to feel good about himself. Oh yeah, like, totally. How much feel like Tex? <laughs> <laughs> can you tell Tex? <laughs> <laughs> how is Tex? <laughs> can you put Tex on <laughs> on the on the pen? Is Tex there? <laughs> What is Tex? What is Tex doing right now? <laughs> it's ringing! It's ringing! <laughs> shut <it> up! <laughs> so shout out to Jim. Shout out to Tex. Tex. Uh, shout out to shout out to Kenny, the band's bassist, who I see down at the Vic all the time. So right. uh, yeah, shout out to the entire Cruel C. It's never it? gonna be that way again. <sighs> There's been a lot of grunge in this countdown, but you can't go past the motherfucking originals. At number eight, here's Pearl Jam with Go. Oh 
Jam at number 8 in the 1993 Hottest 100 with Go. Hey, Nathan. Go. I love this song. I love this song so much. So I had a Pearl Jam phase in high school. That was Sure, a lot of us did. That was my grunge moment. I didn't really go much further than that. Fair enough. Later, Pearl Jam kind of gets less and less interesting for me. They sort of... You're definitely not the only one there. Yeah, yeah. They go sort of more towards Ballad Town. But there's just so much energy in this song. I love it. Yeah, man. That bass riff, it just keeps rolling the whole way through the song. It keeps gathering speed and momentum. And Eddie Vedder gets more and more frantic and frenetic. And the whole song just keeps going and going and going. And then it, it just doesn't let up. I love the interplay in the chorus between that big please and then all the little guitar bits. And then Eddie just, that screaming, don't go on me again and again is so good. It's that desperation and the frustration in the song. It's so good. And then the song just keeps speeding up and speeding up. And then it stops at 3 minutes 13. Yeah, sure. All the grunge we've had in this countdown, like heart-shaped box, Brewster freaking plush, is like 5, 6 minutes. And this song just comes in and in 3 minutes does so much. And then just cuts it. Yeah. Like, there's no faff in this song. Yeah, yeah. It just it just comes in three minutes and then gone and it kills it because the first kind of oh, I guess twenty seconds is like a, a bit of an extended intro as yeah. well yeah and really yeah. different the song the gets the, the song gets its shit done in about two minutes forty yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ripped as it's, 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 it's like a punk song structurally. Yeah. Honestly, this song kicks like a fucking mule. Like, you said totally. about the, the, the bass gathering speed. It sounds like a motorbike. Yeah. It just chugs and keeps chugging. Like, yeah. This is... I'm not, like, huge Pearl Jam. I'm not that familiar with them, I guess. Not a huge fan. Not a detractor, but I just don't mean... I guess they're, in a way, perhaps the most accessible of the original Grunge Definitely. 4. Sure. But this is exactly sense. what they do perfectly. Yeah. It's this kind of thing. The, the chorus is on. After one repetition of the chorus... If you don't want to sing along, you weren't paying attention. It's just yeah, so, like, you're like, oh man, don't want me indeed, guy. It's so, <laughs> so fucking just, it, it kicks so much ass and it's so brutal, but just so chugging and just neat, clean. The production is through the roof, mm. perfect grunge here. The guitar solo obviously just kills as well. They just, yeah, everything about this song is vicious and mean and neat. And it just, you said in the, the speed of the song and the length yeah. of the song to show how wonderfully they had their system down yeah. at this point in time. I'm like you, man. I'm not really that into Pearl Jam. I think I kind of missed them to a large extent, but every time I hear them, Vetter impresses me. Yeah. Man, he knows... He's got those vocal chops. He's he knows sure, how to yeah, he put can do it. something yeah. in there. Like, on the big stuff like Jeremy and Alive or whatever, like he... He kills it. He's yeah. yeah. Good. Well, I mean, like the, the song I'm most familiar with is even flow, mm. and like yeah. that's that's got a killer riff as well, and it's a bit more riffy and it's a bit more rocky, and I, I guess yeah, you know, yeah. like, but yeah, you, you don't get the same amount of energy that you get in this track. This yeah. is huge. It's, it explodes. You're right. Yeah. I, I guess the vocals as well is before that kind of sound vocally became a bit of a cliche. Yeah. Good just, call. Again, it's again, it's um, I guess kind of like Dino Junior. It's the the predecessor to that kind of '90s alt rock voice. Uh-huh. This even more so. Yeah. Um, but like, it's just so you can tell that he is not aping anybody at this point. No. It's just not aping it's himself. Him. It's just him. It's fine. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I had the opportunity to see Pearl Jam at the Big Day Out, the last one that they played, and I. But didn't. again, it was it's not because I, well, I didn't know was it. But man, like I've caught, after it's hearing not this song, it's not ninety three Pearl Jam though. Yeah. yeah, but I know. But if they played songs like this, I kind of like man, that would have been mm. actually really, really good cool. with their covers live. Mm. Lots of cool covers. Like have a, oh, yeah. um, Bleed for Me, Dead Kennedys, mm. which is just a crazy weird track for a band like that to play. Rocket in the Free World and Fucking Up by mm. uh, Neil Young. They yeah. do great versions of as well. Cool. Uh, I've even heard Eddie do a version of This Land Is Your Land, which is actually, wow. yeah, kind of really beautifully done. Do you pay go? I do, actually. Uh, look, uh, Pearl Jam as a whole, I feel, are at their best when they 
absolutely swing for the fucking fences with the song that they're trying to make. So if it's an earnest ballad like Wishlist or Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a Small Town, fucking perfect. If it's a emotive, heart-ripping ballad like uh, Jeremy, of course. And when they do their big business rock songs... This spin the black circle, spin the black circle, the same yeah, thing. Uh, shit like that. Amazing, amazing tracks. So uh, this is no exception. This is a really top cut from a super strong album, the album Versus, uh, VS, uh, which came out, uh, yeah, just after their their most critically lauded and most commercially successful record, uh, that being Ten, mm-hmm. uh, which is a worldwide adored and critically acclaimed classic uh, rock album. Uh, for a very good reason, it is a wonderful, wonderful record. Uh, personally, my favourite uh, Pearl Jam album is Yield, uh, which came in 1998, uh, which features uh, tracks uh, like Do the Evolution, oh, which is sure. another right. amazing, amazing Pearl Jam track, yeah, and Wishlist, as I mentioned, uh, Brain, uh, Brain of Jay, which is another amazing track, which I love from that period. When Pearl Jam give a fuck, that's when I'm into it, because... You look at the grunge movement, and a lot of it was purely based on apathy. Fucking Teen Spirit is about apathy. Here we are now, entertainers. Mm. You know, I'm fucking bored. And the whole movement of grunge singers was them just being like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I kind of give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Eddie gives a lot of fuck. There (laughs) There are a few vocalists in the history of rock music that give as much of a fuck as Eddie Vedder does. Like, even mm. now, he is still... He still has such an incredible voice and is still such a dynamic performer. Like, those motherfuckers go out and do three-hour shows every goddamn night of the goddamn week. And that is, like, at their age, like, you know, moving in, out of their 40s and into their 50s, that is a an impressive feat. Mm. They are still absolute arena killers, festival killers. They are still a worldwide adored band and uh, one... That uh, a lot of people hold very, very dearly to their hearts. Oh yeah, Pearl, Pearl Jam fans are pretty dedicated. Totally. I uh, saw someone at the big day out actually, and he was just—he just looked, you know, completely like it was the best day of his life. And like I, I kind of seen him again, kind of. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know, I talked to him. He's just like, dude, I just heard Even Flow live. That's my life. I'm, huh. I'm, I can, ha- I can die happy now. That's wow. Incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I kind of had that feeling when I saw Pearl Jam in 2009, and they finished the main set with "Do the Evolution." I pretty nice. much could have punched the person next to me. I was that excited. Yeah. Because, yeah. Would have gotten kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Missed the song. That would have been <laughs> would it, Yeah, it would have been a bit of a waste, to be honest. Uh, look, yeah, they're a band that... They don't really have a tired legacy. You know, they didn't do a Chris Cornell and make a shitty pop album with Timberland at any point. Uh, they... I'll explain that one later. Uh, was he on Shock Value, or do you do a whole album? Chris Cornell did a whole album with Timberland. Ouch, don't tell me about it. <laughs> when, uh, when Neil Finn was doing uh, Seven Worlds Collide, and he yes. sort of formed his crazy weird supergroup, Eddie Vedder was in that. And yes, they did shows right. together and playing each other's songs or whatever. And that, that was, yeah, Eddie, Vedder, that Eddie, Vedder and, like, Eddie Vedder and Neil Finn have an incredible relationship. <laughs> They're really good friends, yeah. and they work really well together. And the first time I saw that, I was like, huh, mm. okay. And that's... when I saw Pearl Jam in 2009, uh, the opening act was Neil's son, Liam. Yeah, right. Who was yeah. an amazing uh, singer-songwriter in his own right. Uh, so I don't think they have so much as a batard legacy as kind of a rusty one. Like, uh, each of their albums that they've put out over the last few years, uh, Lightning Bolt, Backspace, uh, the self-titled... Uh, albums like that all have super strong singles and some really good cuts on there, and then 
pretty forgettable yeah. uh, kind of hogwash in between. So, they keep like, them out. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they they could make some fucking killer EPs if they wanted yeah. to, but huh. uh, they they instead go for that kind of six and a half out of ten era, uh, kind of range albums, yeah, which okay. is sad considering you know they made some of, in my opinion, the most important rock records of the nineties, like Yield and Versus and Ten, which are three records that I highly recommend to anyone that's trying to get into Pearl Jam. Those are the records to go to in my. Mm-hmm. In my humble opinion, but even just re- like Review Mirror, that double best of like it, it does is a, so that much. Is a, that. It's oh, a yeah. great starting point because you yeah. get all of those songs that they just they nail those songs. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's it's interesting. They're one of the few bands that um, did have a consistent run of albums and an incredibly consistent run of singles as well. Mm. A lot of the a lot of bands, you know, will have like maybe one good record and then the rest is just like yeah, they've got great singles, but the albums are shit. Foo Fighters being, of course, a perfect example of that. But you can be a Pearl Jam album fan, and you can also be a Greatest Hits fan. Mm. You know, there's there's streams and revenues for both, and I think that's kind of cool that they've developed that kind of consistency among among their fans. There's advantages to each. There, there definitely are advantages, advantages to each. Advantages! Hey! Sorry. It's, it's, look, it's going to be a while till I talk about LCD sound system. I have to get it. <laughs> uh, they're never in a hottest one hundred. Oh, injustice! No, no, it's okay. In a fantasy episode, unacceptable. <laughs> hey, speaking of, you just did lemon grab. It's, can we do a segue? Sure. Great. Speaking of lemon grab, <laughs> speaking of things about lemons that are unacceptable. <laughs> Transition. <laughs> Man introduces song. <laughs> Number seven, Lemon by U2. by you two fades out host of podcasts gives four to Andrew McDonald well I'm glad you two call it a lemon because they were nailed it in one go yep. because this song is just a fucking stinker there is so lemon much lemon stink well, <laughs> like, if something's a lemon, it's, it's, it's a stinker. Yeah, 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 you bought a lemon. Yeah. It's like when NoFX called their album Coaster. Exactly. They're like, you think you're being clever, but you're not. Yeah. Yeah, but also, you know, like, you can get bad lemon smells. You know, like, you're just like an artificial lemon cleaning it's, product. It's, it's just, just way too yeah. much. Oh, this yeah. song, uh, there's... 
Oh fucking hell! But like that that naff, <laughs> where do you begin? Faux kraut rocky groove they have. Apparently, there's Brian Eno fucking misstepping again. Like yeah. I like Brian. Ninety three was not his year. No, it's like. <laughs> Bono's fucking falsetto. Yeah, it's not a good Jesus. falsetto. It's the she- not a good the falsetto. The sheer length of the bastard as well. It's yeah. like seven minutes. fucking minutes. That's brutal. Like, I don't, like yeah. honestly, like, last time we had a U2 song here, another corker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was quick to shit on U2, and I'm quick to shit on them again. <laughs> and, the, and the funny thing is, neither of that song nor this song, I think, are a representative of the U2 sound. Not at, at all. all. They're, they're that both, was the whole point of Zeropa. Yeah. Well, that's they're the both, thing. They both suck for crazily different reasons. <laughs> I don't know whether this is true, but I read recently that Zeropa was never supposed to see the light of day. They they were messing around in the studio and they decided to release it. I don't know whether that's true. I'd say that as well. I could though. believe it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that as well. If, the, if these were my albums, but these hey, were my songs. You were an accident song. <laughs> yeah. I do, to some extent, I do feel bad crapping on this song though because of the story of it. Do you guys... What's the story? Well, basically the whole thing is that Bono had some film, some Super 8 film of his mother who died when he was very young, mm-hmm. when she was 24, which was older than Bono was when he was making this album or yeah. whatever. And she was wearing a lemon dress and just kind of messing around and having a really fun time and being really youthful and, you know, and, and it was this lovely footage. And so the whole song is about preserving, uh, about preser- also the lemon dress. Is, yeah. It's very clever, Bono. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about preserving memory and about keeping memory. But I think in this case, the story of the art is greater than the art itself. A hundred like, times a, more. Yeah, yeah. That's a lovely is, story. Honestly, if, like, I, I'm really quick to say that when I die, do whatever. I don't care how I get buried or whatever that because I'm dead. Um, but if someone writes a song like this about me after I'm dead, I'll be fucking gutted. Haunting. Haunting the fuck out. That would rile me up so hard. I feel bad for Mrs. Bono. This is just... Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Bono. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just I don't know this song. I just I just can't fucking pay it at all. Like it's not like their other stuff, um, which normally I was. If someone said it doesn't sound like you too, I would give it a chance. <laughs> but this is I just really can't stand it. The shimmering guitar that goes through it kind of apes. Yeah. Funnily enough, it apes the slow dive sound that I love so much. <laughs> um, and again, it's like kind of kraut rocky and bright. You know, all the elements that I love individually. But yeah, I just really I can't get into it at all. And just the the the, a man builds, a man does this, a man does that. That video is the philosophizing comes in. It's like that's that's what people hold up Bono and kind of burn him about is is him speaking for something larger than he is. Still not enough people. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and honestly, like. For a song that goes for seven minutes, it needs to be doing something more. It needs to be traveling. Doing something else. Or even like, I like I, have I, a better groove or something. Yeah, or even like, I, I like repetitive songs. Yeah, I like, I like repetitive the, long songs. Yeah, exactly. I don't but, like this. No, yeah. It doesn't do anything or say anything. All right, guys. Can't fucking stand it. Dave's doing that face, that same face that he had when we were talking about Mr. Wendell. Uh, he's, oh, he's, no. Yeah, Dave. Did you write Lemon? Yes, I did, actually. <laughs> Dude. Are you Bono? That, that was well, it's a matter of fact, so yeah. Jeez, Mr. Bono. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am Bono. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we fade out. <laughs> Nathan, what did you think of this? It's song? terrible. It's so bad. I can't decide who comes off worse in this relationship, Eno or you two. Because like, just, Bono or Bono's mom. I expect, <laughs> I expect better from Brian Eno, but also it feels like he's encouraging them to do this. But maybe he's having them on. Maybe it's a joke. But I, like you two, Brian is not your friend. 
Like, we, like that's the that's a great timeline. Brian Eno made this as a joke. Look what I got you two to do. Yeah, nah, zero maybe. It's it's just so bad. Yeah, it's real bad, and it's so long. <laughs> like seven minutes is such a long because it just it still has the structure of like a really bad pop song kind yeah. of thing. It like, goes for three minutes. The, 20. Yeah, yeah, and then but there are just two and a half of them. People <laughs> like this. It's in the top ten. It's yeah. in the top ten. And I was reading like the album with good reviews. The on all music. No. This, is, this is a pick. This oh, is a I, 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 what? This morning in, in preparation for this, I contacted uh, a fan of you two. That you I contacted met. Bono. No, no, I, I contacted a fan because I, I don't even think Bono. Surely not. Like surely he uh, would just. Like, I, well, I don't know. Yeah, I contacted someone I know who is a great U two apologist. Someone uh, I know. Yeah, yeah. And I was like. What is the appeal of this? And he didn't know either, so I felt good <laughs> okay. about that. Great. He was like, "Man, I don't know. I don't think they play it live anymore." I was like, "Fucking hope not." And <laughs> 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 you're paying like two hundred bucks to see you two, and then they bust this out for seven of the concert minutes. Lemon. That's two decent songs that could have been in there. <laughs> come oh, on, Dave. Come on, yeah, go on, man. No, <laughs> are we scared? No, don't. Come on. No, I'm done. Yeah, we're moving on. No, what do you think? <laughs> do, you, do you think... Well, it's good to have different opinions. We have the same like opinion. Song. Let's get some variety in here. Look, uh, as I, I am, uh, I don't like my body, Valentine, and I like <laughs> you too. Why are these people put up with me? I have no fucking idea. <coughs> You're pretty. Aw, thanks, babe. <laughs> I think the best thing we can say about this song is that it's not representative of you two's sound. Well, that's right. Uh... Even the band themselves have very mixed reactions to this album now because uh, this came out of the sessions for Achtung Baby, which oh. was the record beforehand. There's a record, there's a song on that record called Zoo Station, um, which is where the conceptuality kind of started, which followed into the Zoo TV tour <coughs> and uh, uh, Bono's alter ego, uh, Macfisto. Oh, God. Yeah, the I know. The, way, the, the interviews yeah. where they're talking about that, like, it's like, oh yeah, that's cool. You dress up as you know Mephistopheles from Faust, and it's the devil thing. And then all these interviews of Edge being like, it was great because we, he would make prank calls every show to like local politicians. That's and right, stuff. he would. And whenever you're the devil talking to something, you can say that you like things, and it's instantly funny. It's like, oh fucking hell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I like you said, fucking hell, the Edge. <laughs> that's you got, you respect him and call him by his That's full his name. name. His full Christian name. Yeah. <laughs> the Edge. But like, oh, like it's, it's not an intrinsically bad idea to have that character, but just the way they talk about it is so, you like, too. juvenile. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, I'm going to be the devil and say that I love things, and that's going to make those things look bad. Right. It's bad theatre. It's, <laughs> it's really bad theatre. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I guess I kind of have to step in here and give my perspective on this whole deal as... A YouTube fan. Now, I I was fully willing to let you guys go ape shit on Numb, which is to me potentially the worst U2 song. Like it's it's. I think def- I like it more than most U2. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, of course. See, this is this is why I don't want to say anything because anything I say is just gonna be like fuck you, dude. No, 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 we're good. We want to let you speak. You have the floor. With some nice dudes, with some nice dreams. Oh. See these ice cubes? See these ice cubes? <laughs> You're more of an eligible bachelor than I am, though, to be fair. Now, as a U2... As a U2 fan. As functioning as a machine that generally likes U2, I have personally tried to wrap my head around Zoo Roper for quite some time, and I revisited it recently... 
uh, thanks to a podcast called You Talking You Too to Me, which is hosted by uh, comedian. Uh, no, it's actually hosted by the host of Comedy Bang Bang, Scott Orkerman, and Parks and Recreation star Adam Scott. Oh. And the, together they are Adam Scott Orkerman. And uh, together they have gone through and discussed every release in the history of U2. Oh. And it's a really interesting and really fun uh, show. Cross podcast shout out? Yeah. Hey guys. Definitely check out. They're clearly listening. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hit us back. Yeah. So check, check, <laughs> out, check out, so those check guys. out You Talk and You Too to me. It's been one of my absolute favorite podcasts this year. It's been a really, really fun podcast. Thanks Especially for someone, you know, whether, regardless of whether you like U2 or not, yeah. there's a lot to enjoy in that podcast, so I recommend it. They did an episode on Zuropa and discussed its context and the the ideas that they were going for. But this track, uh, out of everything on Zuropa, really stood out for me then as it does now. It's it's still a song that I, I have tried to get my head around from the from the minute I heard it. I was just like, "Hang on, isn't this the beautiful day band? Why the fuck are they singing like this?" You know, yeah. it was a very very odd experience. It's a riddle wrapped in mystery inside an enigma to me as a YouTube fan. I guess now uh, this is a track I like a lot more than I did then, and it's a track that definitely works within uh, the album's context. And both Nathan and Adam just broke eye contact with me. The second I said that I liked this song, <laughs> so I am like, we still subconscious. Look, I'm I'm fully willing to admit that this record was a bit of a misstep, and there are there are things on this record that never should have seen the light of day, and they're fully willing to admit it. I like I said, uh, next to nothing, if anything at all, gets played uh, from this record anymore. I think yeah. maybe one or two tracks, if that. Uh, can you abide by it being in the top 10 this countdown well I suppose they were always going to get in like they were they were a hugely popular band and they were supported by Triple J regardless of what this band released there was going to be a following totally oh, okay. it. you it's, think it's, people it's, voted for the band not the song sure Definitely. like I don't think I don't think that I don't think it, that happens <laughs> much anymore considering the last two U2 records have not really been hit machines so to speak ironically one song from uh how to dismantle an atomic bomb did make it into the hottest 100. Can't wait. Uh, oh, we will cross that fun. yeah yeah bridge when we get to <laughs> yeah. it. But hey, are we yeah, waiting on a yeah. U2 album for this year as well? Indeed. Uh, yeah, like Danger Mouse. Yes, and uh, what? I, yeah, Danger Mouse. DM. Yeah, and uh, I, believe, boy. I believe Flood is going to be working with them once again. I like I like Flood as a producer. I, yeah, you know. So I, I'm very interested to see how that goes. But uh, you guys uh, feel free to avoid it as long as you can. Going for curious. You have a phone? I do. Oh, sorry, that's the landline. (laughs) (laughs) Hello? Oh, hi, Bono. (laughs) No, 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 we're really nice about it. (laughs) Honestly, don't worry, okay? Alright, love you too. No, you hang up. (laughs) No, no, you don't... Hello? (laughs) Hello? I think we were cut off. (laughs) God damn it. At number six in the 1993 Hottest 100, this is Rage Against the Machine with Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. Some of those that work forces. On the same that bar crosses. 
Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. Some of those that work forces draw the same that bar crosses. Hottest 100 with Killing in the Name. It's time to throw to our resident Raisin fanboy, Mr. Adam Buncher. You, <sighs> you sir, you have the duty of talking about the signal song of one of your all-time favourite bands. Oh so, god, here it fucking is. Here it fucking is. Here it so, fucking is. Go for it. This is one of the first songs that I ever loved. I can honestly say that. I got into it because I was a young man who had some feels and I had a guitar. And <laughs> I, I got shown this song and honestly just the riffage, the riff after riff after riff that comes in on this. As a guitarist, there is nothing more exciting, especially when you're only just getting into it. Like, I, I'm out of practice, way out of practice, but you hand me an electric guitar connected to an amplifier, I could still play you every single note of this song, except the solo. Well, it's funny you that's... say that, because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, but it's, it's, it's permanently ingrained in my memory. And you know what? The song has followed me around as well. But it's only because I was doing this podcast that I actually bothered to look further into it and explore the song a little bit more. And, you know, like... Uh, Andrew, we've had a discussion, I think the last time we talked about Rage Against the Machine or whatever, about, you know, kind of like yes, the vague which track uh, ball in the head. Mm-hmm. And you've often you've often said like Rage Against the Machine had this this resistance thing that's not, you know, like it's kind of unspecific sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And very sloganistic. Well yeah. Yeah. I looked at, I looked at this song in you know, with that kind of in mind, and I discovered that actually it's incredibly specific what it's talking yeah. about. It's this is the race rights, uh, the Los Angeles rights in that happened in like six months before the song right. was released. So like when they talk about you know some of those who work forces are the same that burn crosses, that's yeah. talking about institutionalized yeah. Yeah. racism in relation to the Rodney King thing. Yeah, but that's massive. You've loved this song for what like half your life, and you only just knew that. The Ex- problem yeah. isn't necessarily that. Rage Against the Machine are like shallow sloganist whatever, but that's no, how no, they no. How, that's how they come across to an audience, which is such a shame. I'm saying, oh yeah, like, because again, like, but I looked... again, as a mystery employee, etc., you are only as good as your fans. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like I, at least I'm doing my part now yeah. by talking. Yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, so absolutely, like, yeah. So like, what that does, that knowledge now for me turns fuck you, I won't do what you tell me from being like something very general. And you know what? Like even generally, I'm, I'm I'm still into it for the fact it's hard rock and it, and and that aggression conveys energy. And even even if it is resistance, it's still fairly good. Like even if it is sloganistic, I'm, I guess I don't hate that shit as much as you do. Mm. I don't have the same lexicon for punk that you do, so I guess I'm not as aware of it, and it doesn't kind of hit me as much as you do. Like I'm like fucking yeah, like rebel, fucking rage against the machine, like fucking awesome. Like if that's where it goes, I don't have so much of a problem with that. But in terms of the Rodney King thing 
as a specific moment in time and someone saying, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me to institutionalize racist police in mm. Los Angeles at that time. Holy shit. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Like, I don't know why Raging Machine don't get talked about as a hip hop band more. Because I do yeah. think they fit that. They get mm. talked about as rap metal, but mm. not within the spectrum of hip-hop. And I guess like people talk about the, the rock and the live instruments or whatever. Whatever, man. Like That's how it started. Beastie Boys in 86. They're still regarded as, as part of hip-hop. They had the but same then thing. They, but then like, they turned to sampling pretty quick. They were sure, punk but they were still hip-hop in 86. Not when they very first started. They were punk. Yeah, yeah. But, but like License to Ill, it still contains live instruments. And it's still A quite, smaller amount. It's still quite rocky. Like, their, yeah. main, their main hits, though, you know? Like... And and the same thing with DMC, like they contained yeah. a, it was still sampled, and I think sampling, you know, that holds this particular place in hip hop. And I'm like, I guess it's controversial, but that's a discussion I'd love to have. Why Rage Against the Machine are or are not considered a hip hop band as opposed to just a rap metal band? So my love for this song has expanded recently, and even more so. Another anecdote I discovered about this song is that Tom Morello came up with it when he was teaching someone drop D tuning. He was he was teaching someone guitar. I mean, for me, that's just poetry because I learned to about this song because I was learning guitar, and that's how it came about. He actually stopped the lesson and went, "Excuse me, I have to go record this." Push the kid away. Yeah, he did. <laughs> like, he really get out of here. That's what you were having. Like, oh. I'm making. And then and then that's how it came about. Like this is an absolute legendary song, and you know it reflected that. I think I think realistically, if the, if we had a collection of these songs again, and we were asking people to vote on them, this would be number one because it's, the legacy has gotten so hard, and it's, it's shown that because of the the hottest one hundred of all time, it got you know way way higher. I think it was in it was in the top five there, wasn't it? That's well, right. There's, there's so yeah. much higher it can be. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> but I, I think you know if we had if we had today's modern audience voting back yeah, on this again, it would definitely, like it's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a monolith. It's a juggernaut. Fucking a. I just yeah, I love it. I love this track, and I love it more for, for what I've discovered. Like it or lump it, this is the anti-authoritarian anthem of our generation. Yeah, there yeah. is a reason that this song lump keeps. That. Yeah, <laughs> you can lump it all you oh, like, yeah. but you know, this is this is what stuck mm-hmm. across people, you know, slightly older than us and slightly younger than us as well. This song has transcended. This song has become more than just you know that catchy riff and the the big fuck you. It's become something bigger than that and it's a song that is able to say so much like adam said with so little there are less than 10 lines of lyrics in this entire song Mm, yeah and it is and in that it is able to showcase so much energy and so much anger and so much just disgust at the world around them because it doesn't feel like a song with few lyrics like even though it oh yes it does well (laughs) I, I I think like the lyric there's a lyrical presence there. Mm. Like it doesn't come across as an instrumental song. No, no, yeah, no. definitely yeah, not. No ink wasted. It's yeah, just, all, all mm. the lines are potent. In the uh, when they played this live during the second verse, uh, Zach De La Rocco would often change the lyric to some of those that uh, burn crosses are the same that the hold office that yeah. hold office, which is another very poignant line yeah. when you look at. Tip, tip of the hat to that one. <laughs> What kind of hat? I oh, just trilby. <laughs> it's not a fedora. It's a trilby. It's a gentlemanly fedora. All right, Andrew. What do you? Honestly, I think it's one of Rage's weaker songs. I really, really I don't pay it I, from the minute that I was like that, that. I heard it. I heard it. I guess I don't know in high school, like most people did, when I was with some friends they wanted to jam on it kind of thing like that I was like oh we should play Reggie and the Machines clearly the name of I really just I don't know it, it's, it's never connected with me it's 
precisely that kind of line. I, 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 to be fair, I didn't know that it was about the race thing, and that does make me appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, but I still think that it's that kind of that weekend rebellion of fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, released by a band on Sony Music to a bunch of impressionable kids who will chant along with it and not fathom the idea of that being ironic. And that's, I think, that who they're like... like I, I, I know to a certain degree you can't blame the fans for the, the way that they've transformed the song, obviously. That's in the same reason. I, I, otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to like Radiohead. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. but well, yeah. most bands. Most bands. Pink Floyd. Tons of bands. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's not a terrible song. I don't think it is at all. I th- obviously, the the highlight is obviously the guitar solo, which is Jam City. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, Morello. Um, sorry, Morello is as my favorite guitarist of all time. Yeah, like, right. That's, this that's is fair. Yeah. Like, it's it's better than Hendrix. God, yes. For before, me, before personally yeah. impacting. Yeah, this, but before that, Morello sound became like because now it's like it's all he does. So I think it's always done apart from the folk stuff. But like then when he's in audio slaves, so just aping that same kind of sound. But like, yeah. at, the, at this early point, and I think oh. on the second Rage record, which I think is vastly superior. Um, Evil Empire? Sorry? Evil Empire? Battle of LA. I think Evil Empire was second. Was it? Yes. Well, anyway, yeah. Battle of LA isn't my favorite Rage record. Okay. Um, it's fair. mine too, actually. Yeah. That's it, it went self-titled, then Evil Empire, then Battle of Los Angeles, then Renegades. Then Renegades. Yeah. Um, yeah, Battle of favorite Rage record. Um, okay. For, like, I guess, my man called Zach Slay's hate title on that. But, um, he does indeed. Yeah, I do think that the guitar work in this is obviously great, and the riffage is obviously like you'd be a full say it isn't like groove core yeah. perfection. Um, but I just think this this one doesn't do enough for me. There's so few like there's like this I don't know like six fucking lines in the whole song. Uh, it's like too fucking slow. Um, and too like, slow, really? Yeah, yeah. Bum, bada, bada, bum, 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 bum. It's slow, yeah, but your man. head's nodding. Yeah, yeah, fully. So How long it doesn't because his groove is shit. Like, yeah, I, I Brad Wilk is a tired as shit drummer. Yeah. He, he locks in so yeah. much. Yeah. And the bass works slow as well. Every, they, nothing about this song is particularly grating apart from the ending, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, which I have. It's exactly the kind of slowness bullshit. And it's the same way that like, another band, to venture slightly off topic here, Propagandy, one of my favourite modern day punk bands, they have a song that ends with them chanting fuck religion. And when I saw them live, they were doing that and everyone was chanting along with them saying fuck religion. And that's yeah. exactly the same problem I have with it. Everyone, if you, once you're part of the hive mind, replicating this idea of rebellion, you're no longer rebelling. It doesn't matter anymore. You're, okay. you're, just, you're, you're part of this group think. It's kind of like what we were talking about a uh, couple of episodes before when we were talking about the idea of punk as a Yeah, exactly, to, yeah. To yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, there's something about that kind of group, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, nothing like that. It's like, yeah, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. But you guys, we'll, we'll do what you say. We'll chant along with you guys, you Sony music representatives. Like, yeah, but don't, sh- you, sh- don't, you, don't you feel like, I, I guess, there's, there, there's something special about being a united front and Dude, it's incredible and, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I enjoy going to a protest and I'm not sure what that says about me and I do I like, and I so do everyone, everyone bad, chanting like, the same thing at the same time isn't isn't like not so much being told what to do just being part of that moment being part of that movement at, but at that the, point but it's, it's, it's empty it's, if it's not at any and also it's it, and it's four people in a position of power doing it to a bunch of supplicants that are paid to be there it's not like it's at a protest where everyone, where someone just decides and everyone joins in. And it's Potentially when you're seeing the band live, but if you've got that song and you've got it at home for yourself, I mean, arguably we're, yeah. we're all a bit too privileged, especially in comparison to the original, like what the song was about. But, 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 like, you know, that's, that's yours. What it's about, but I don't think it was targeted at that, though. 
What, what do you mean? I don't think it was specific. I, when, when they might have written it about that event, but I don't think yeah, that well, its core audience would have been people who are super aware of that event. The, but I mean, like that's author is dead kind of stuff, really. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But they're, so, like, they're, 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 they're in a they're, they're in a position of privilege themselves. Well, I mean, they're socially aware. Yeah, I know. But they're, so, like, they're, they're, I know they're, they're people that made a lot of money on a major record label. Their first records on a major record label. Does that diminish the? No, but I'm saying it puts them in a position of privilege. But obviously, you know, like this, it's still like they're still American citizens six months after this event has taken place. That doesn't hurt their own privilege, though. It, it, well, it does if I, I believe Zach's part African American, so that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. but like, so so, yeah, it's, absolutely, it's, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, I'm not like, but, but they're still like the fact that remains that they like they're in a position of privilege themselves. That isn't to denigrate yeah. that every other band is in a position of privilege themselves. Have either. they ever kind of pretended not to be though? Like, no, fully, no. But like, they're, 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 like this, just this idea that they're like, like the, again, it's not necessarily a shot at the band themselves. It's a shot at the culture that surrounds the whole thing. It's all this kind of notion that like it's this ultra rebellious kind of thing like that. And I really don't think it is. I think it's far vaguer slogan. If you put it as, but I mean, like, let's just say, because I was talking about it in terms of a hip hop culture. If we, if, yeah. you, if you did put it in that kind of framework, does it become better for you? Well, I don't really feel it as hip hop though. That's the thing. Like, yeah, yeah, it feels like not this is, track. Some yeah. of their other songs. There's, there's like, well, I mean, like, take I'm the power back and no, no, no. But from I'm, this record, bomb, I don't know. But I'm track. Not, sure. But I'm not talking about hip hop in terms of necessarily a musical style here, but in terms of like the political aspect of it. I think it's, I think it's aligned in that way. But if it's but like if it hasn't been if hip hop is more aligned with punk then yeah if hip hop if hip hop okay, a cultural movement and then and the culture the zeitgeist has has decided that rage aren't part of that and they're not part of it I guess that's okay, yeah. that's a valid point yeah. I guess so yeah like it's I, I've always felt them more like I guess I've, I've always felt them that, that they're more aligned with I guess punk, punk and hardcore than that, okay. like culturally than they are with hip hop kind of in the way yeah, that bad brains were I yeah. think yeah, yeah exactly yeah I guess it's me coming I guess it's for you coming from knowing punk and yeah and you coming from, from knowing hip hop yeah. and being very much in the like yeah. hip hop something I've gotten heaps into recently yeah. so I'm in that mindset yeah, yeah. yeah. and this is the first time I've considered it from that point in, of view in that way and also yeah. like because it's, I'm sure it's a discussion worth having to be honest yeah and because the Rodney King stuff is such a big hip hop moment yeah of course you know what I mean yeah. like that's that's a huge Thing. And I like got incorporated into a lot of songs, like very explicitly. Oh hell yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I think I maybe disagree with you, but I don't yeah. know. No, of course, this. But no, I don't know. I, I don't know. Honestly, I could be wrong. I could be absolutely wrong here. But I really just like I, I don't really buy it, and I really I the fact that it's like it happens all the time, and just the fact that, like when they play the big day out and it sells out and there's thousands and thousands of people and everyone chanting along fuck you I won't do what you're telling me with their weekend rebel hats on that sits around comfortably with me I really can't stomach it well I was there and it was awesome so I don't oh know. man I <laughs> seeing them at the big day out I thought I'd never get to see Rage Against the Machine live yes I mean I'm not going to the music oh no 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 yeah yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about my own like yeah. kind of personal dream fulfillment there like that was that was incredible I never thought it happened and it happened and it was amazing Nathan I just have too many memories of white kids in formal suits jumping around to this song. Yeah. Like, I I'm was not, that I'm guy. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, just that, tell, you, you're going to have to explain that one to me because I too many school, school formals. School formals at, towards the end of the they night. They played that at school formals? All the time. Yeah, really? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. 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 You guys got away with playing explicit music? Yeah. yeah. Really? But, but also, same uni graduation yeah. was exactly the same thing. And and at all of those times, I remember being on, like... You were throwing up your cap to killing in the name mm-hmm. of? Well, well, no, no, no! It was no. the graduation party. Yeah, there was. Oh. Nathan, <laughs> I didn't like, even know like, there was like a formal. Like we. Yeah. It, it was just, oh, you actually had that. Yeah, yes, there was some. All of those times, I remember hugging the walls and feeling really, really uncomfortable about about the fact that, like, particularly at uni, these thirty uni graduates are like <laughs> jumping around saying "fuck you" or "do what to do" in formal suits, and it's just like. 
No, none of that. Also, like, in the video to the clip, not that obviously we're not going to judge the philosophy of the song based on the video, but the, like the video at the fuck you, I won't tell you, do what you tell me, is a punter in the crowd beefing it up with a security guy at the gig. Well, and like, Zach steps in, yeah. Yeah, but just like, that's like, what is that? This will shake him up at the Anarchist Society. <laughs> I roughed up a gig security guard on the weekend. He told me to stay behind the barricade, and I didn't, but then I did because I made a gig and I wanted to have fun. To be fair, there was no barricade, and I would have killed to have seen Raiden without a barrier. Back in the day. Holy shit. I just... (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm too close to Andrew because of all those things. Also, last time uh, we were talking about Rage with Bullet in the Head. Yes. I mentioned that I have a sad story of Rage. Oh, yes. Bullet, much better song. Huh? Bullet, much better song. I agree. Okay. Yeah. I I think it's probably one of the weakest songs in that album. Yeah, I I guess it's just... It's my first love of Rage. Before we go any further, let's... uh, Can we all pick a favourite song from this album? Bomb Track? Yeah, Bomb Track. Yeah. No, you're running me. Set oh, so good. Yeah, doing? guys. Come on. Set you want to go back to that? Uh. That's weird. That is a weird opinion. <laughs> I love that song. That's, that's a weird opinion. That's probably my favourite Rage Against the Machine song. I skipped that. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's a skip track for me. So, uh, it's, yeah, well. Dave, okay. you're, a, you're, a, Nathan, you're a cool guy. Please, please give us yeah, your story. story. It was... When, when did they come out on tour? Was that 2008? 2008. So, 2008. January 2008. So, tickets would have been sold at the end of 2007? Yes. Cool. Great. Same time 2007. That, that means so little to me, Adam. Oh my god. <laughs> it means so much to so me. So a bunch of us from uni all went to line up overnight to get tickets. We were lining up at Westfield Fig Tree. I can't even remember. I think it was just Leading Edge Music was the, the CD shop. Where we bought our Cure Were you there? No. No. But we did buy our Cure tickets a few years earlier there. Um, so we all went and I think we got there at like 8pm or something and we were just going to stay the whole night. There were maybe... Ten of us? We were just going to hang out, have a cool night, get tickets, then you know go to uni the next day. Uh-huh. Um, we were probably maybe 10th in line or so, uh-huh. uh, had a fun night, stopped having a fun night, started getting really sick, started getting really sad because that was not a great time in my life. Uh, ended up having to go home at 4am just because I was too ill to be out in the cold. Oh, um, so I was like, it was fine cause everyone else was there. I was like, just get my ticket as well. I'll see you need the next day. I like, I, I felt Horrible! It was a horrible, horrible time. Oh man! Went home, got to uni the next day. We didn't get tickets because only the first four people in the line got tickets. That's insane! Yeah. Holy shit! It's pretty horrible. Insane. So I didn't see like uh, Rage then, and like I don't think it was a conscious decision. But thinking back, I have I have very rarely listened to Rage since. Then. <laughs> wow! I, do, I don't think it's a because of that. Maybe subconsciously or whatever. But yeah, could well be. I like. I think I've hardly listened to them at all. Since that, 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 that's potentially brutal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just that's my sad rage story. Man. Yeah, it was pretty sad. Was I went through. I've already, already heard that story. And it's <laughs> was it really cold? Or? Yeah, it was cold. It must have been like September or something. And I don't know. That just, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Cold. Tickets going south. Yeah, January yeah. Geek. yeah. Bad time. I do have to say, in terms of like loving it then and then loving it now, like I did through go through a period. I think last year where I was slightly ambivalent towards it, in much the same way that I was uh, talking about Tool um, earlier yes. on in one of the earlier episodes. Like, oh, You'll get to talk it, about it again eventually. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. 96, I think, Still, they come yeah, back yeah. Like Number two, isn't it? Yes. Mm. So there was a little bit of ambivalence in listening to Sober. Uh, and I had that a little bit with Rage's Machine and it was terrifying. But I went back again this year in reference to this countdown and rediscovered my love, which I discovered there's no ambivalence towards. It's just love. It's pure love. Awesome. In conclusion... Check, check, check. 
At number five, this is the Breeders with Cannonball. Number five with Cannonball. Hooray! Hooray! Hey. Yay! Yay, Kim Deal! Yay. Number five! Yay, number five! For those of you who don't know, the Breeders was the band that formed in the wake of the demise of the Pixies. Uh, now, bassist and vocalist Miss Kim Deal formed this band originally with uh, Tanya Donnelly, who would go yes. on to form. Belly, who Belly. we spoke about. Belly, Belly, who we spoke about a few episodes ago. I liked him. Uh, yeah, hello. Um, so they put an album out together uh, called Pod, and then later Produced on by one Steve Albini. In, uh, that's right. Yeah, and then this record came along, which is called Last Splash, which is, for my money, one of the best albums of the entire 90s. Oh, cool! I fucking love this record. It's a record I think that really shows. Why I think Kim Deal was so severely uh, underused in the greater realm of the Pixies. You really see her creativity as a songwriter and the eccentricities that defined her as a vocalist and as a performer. They really fly free here. This this song is just so much fun. There's so much great energy to it. Even yeah. even in the strangest ways, you know, the opening little rim shots and little clicks on the on the cymbal stands from uh, Jim Stevenson, who is a great uh, drummer, Joe Wiggs, uh, coming in with that false start bass line, which, is, which goes, it slides up to A instead of A sharp, which is what the song is in. So it goes... So there's two measures of that before it goes into the proper one. And I never, I've never figured out if it was like the happy accident where it's just yeah. like, oh, oh, that's funny. You should keep it in. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll keep that in. Or whether they were just like, ah, let's, or they, 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 they planned it out. Slide like, away first. No, she pretends to fake. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. To me, uh, from, from the, from the opening mic check, uh, all the way up to that sudden slamming snare drum that ends the whole thing. This is, to me, one of the most perfect creations, not only for Kim Deal, not only for the Breeders, but 
just for alternative rock. I will always love this song. This is a staple of my listening pleasure. I actually got to see the this lineup of the Breeders uh, last year. Uh, they came out uh, for All Tomorrow's Parties. And they performed at the Enmore Theatre in Sydney. And they played this album in full. And it was an absolute treat. And I thought, fuck me. That was amazing. How could this not get any better? And that was swiftly answered when they came out and for the encore played Pod in full. So I, I got double my money's worth that night. It was pretty, pretty amazing stuff. So I love this band, but I'm genuinely curious to know uh, what you guys make of it. Because I'm not sure what the relationship is here. There might be a couple of Pixies fans here, but Breeders I'm not too sure. So uh, who would like to kick it off? Okay. I uh, love the Pixies. Pixies are sweet. Yes. I don't. I, I often think to myself, I don't listen to the Pixies enough, and it's something I am. I work better at every day. Kind of think to myself, hey, maybe you should just listen to the Pixies a little bit more, Adam. They probably make your life a bit better. But I hadn't heard this song before, and you know, like the first time I put it really? on, yeah, I hadn't heard it. Hmm. Really? Although that being said, there was something about that slidey riff. The boom, ba dum. That one, yeah, the little slidey riff that I was like, oh, that's familiar to me. Yeah, it right. Really sounds like a Tin Loveless. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know whether yeah. that was it. Uh, but, it's, exactly, it's, it's exactly the same chord progression. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. Love this fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the first time I heard it, I didn't quite know what to make of it. I thought the whole composition of it was a little bit muddy. I didn't find the hooks or whatever. But after giving it a little bit more time, oh, okay, it's there. You find where they are, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and I just look at it as being like an absolute archetype of 90s alternative rock. Like sure. If I had to present one This song, is a standard setter for me. It, yeah. It's a museum piece. It's a museum piece. You go like, I mean, it still lo- it lives and, and breathes and rocks today, but, you know, I could put it in a pedestal of a museum gallery, a gallery in a museum of music, of history, and you're like, that's 90s alternative rock. That's mm. what it sounded like. Yeah, it's, and it deals with, like, it, that comes across in so many little bits as well, like the... The, t- t- the palm mute yes. in there, like such a, such a great kind of, I guess, I, I hesitate to call it a cliche, uh, but I guess trope. element, yeah. Yeah, trope, trope, that's the, that's the word I'm searching for. And like the silence as well before it kicks in, like, yeah. and even the way the vocals kind of play out as well, like it's, it, they are little tropes that mm. make it such a, such a wonderful piece. And so I'm on side with them now. I dig it in a lot of ways. That's great. great to hear. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm a Pixies fan. I haven't really spent much time with the Breeders at all outside. Like, this song I've listened to a lot and not much further than that, which is silly because this song is so great. Why haven't I just listened to the albums that, you know, like, whatever. This are, song, you, are, you, are you going to now? Yeah, probably will now. So, all right, cool. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, hottest 100s and thousands. It's just so summary. Like, and yeah. I think, I think yeah, totally. When someone first showed me this song, they were like, oh my god, check out how summary this song is. And I think it was Carl, our friend. That makes sense. Cool. Um, yeah, and, and so like, even because of that, like it's always just a summer song in the back of my mind. Nice. I love that it's like you were getting it, this is what, like, it's just a song of sections. Yeah, like, totally. All the sections do a very different job. I love how Kim's vocals have different effects in all the different sections and stuff like that. And it just moves through all these different parts. They all do a different thing, but they all do it really well. And you finish with this song that is more than the sum of its parts. Totally is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's, I guess I was kind of arguing that it was the sum of its parts, but no, no, you're right. Like, yeah. it is, I it think is it more is. than that. Yeah. Even like little things that catch, catch you off guard, like, 
I, I expected there to be lyrics in this part, for example, and there's no lyrics. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like oh, these lyrics are quite back in the mix. And yeah, then this is yeah. Like, yeah. 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 There's something about the mixing as well. Yes, yeah. it's, it's it's yeah. Yeah, it's really I love cool. I love this song. I'm um I guess I'm a bit more of a casual Pixies fan. I've never really thought the had the like I've got the albums and I but I'm more, I'll put the best of on now and then like but that's that's kind of my extent of my Pixies love. I'm not that huge for them. They're okay. Okay. There's bits, there's certain individual tracks that I just absolutely just go fucking wild for. Um, Debaser is Debaser. absolutely the king. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and likewise with this song, I've got, um, got and I'm probably more familiar with Pod of the Land with Last Splash. In fact, I definitely am more familiar with Pod of the Land with Last Splash. Um, yeah, but they're a great, cool band. Kim has just so much charisma as a slacker '90s front woman. Yeah, that you, I can't yeah. help. I got to give credit to Kelly Deal as well. Yeah. She's she's awesome. Uh, there's nothing cooler than bullshitting your way into a band and becoming its lead guitarist yeah. without actually knowing how to play, play guitar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. good. That's so cool. Yeah, I know. They're, they're, this is as perfect as like kind of that indie noise poppy groove sound gets. It's, I love it so much. The, the, the false start is just so charming. The, yeah. I love that, that ooh, ooh yes. mic check is just, I adore it so much. I think it's <laughs> wonderful. When they played live, they actually had two mics set up, one with the, all the distortion on it, so she could like lean into it and go, oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. And it's like, yes! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a perfect, like, the lyrics are just silly and, like, kind of absent-minded, yeah. cool. It's that kind of, I guess, that post-grunge kind of malaise. That has, yeah. like, also which that, is I'll weird, considering grunge is still the, going I'll at the, the time. I'll be the bomb in this reggae song? Yeah. What's the hair? No, I'll be the whatever you want. I'll be your whatever you want. Yeah, and then no, like, so yeah, I'll be your whatever you want. The bong in this reggae song. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and they they were kind of serious about calling it a reggae song. Yeah, that's, which is weird. Oh, no, yeah. It's I know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. Cool. Let me call this dubstep. Yeah, cool. Okay. It's yeah. just cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, 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 the little noodling guitar that's there now and then. Like, honestly, this song is popular for a very good reason. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, but it's, also, it's, it's really killer. cool that it, it was yeah. as popular as it is because it's not mm. accessible and it's not. It's, yeah, it's, it's not bit, crazy. Hard to get into. Yeah, it's not crazy poppy hooky or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So cool guys. Who just just the melodies are like. I, yeah. I think. I think it is just in a really different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you listen to it once and you be like, man, what's that? Like, 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 yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all there. But like you take it away with you. But it's in a very different way to another song in this sort of vein, which is which should be all about the vocal hooks or whatever. And, not so much about that. Uh, these guys got a hit on the Billboard 100, and the Pixies never did. Hmm. Which is bizarre, isn't yeah. it? They did Considering... the never could. Yeah. Tour with Nirvana this year as well. And for a final piece of trivia, because they come in threes, uh, Daniel Radcliffe's favourite band huh. is the Pixies. Not this, not the Breeders. Aww. But Harry Potter loves the Pixies. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. What's that worth? <laughs> Something. What's it, worth? What's it worth to you? Little to nil. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Daniel Radcliffe. Man, you come up in trivia, man. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> no, no. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Bumblebee costumes at the ready, people. At number four, it's Blind Melon with no rain.
1993 Hottest 100 with no rain. Nathan, once again, we'd like to uh, swing this one over your way. Now, your life is pretty plain, so... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, coming. <laughs> pour some tea for two and tell yeah. us, tell us, uh, tell tell, us what you I'll think. I'll speak my point of view? Yes, please yeah. do. Well, well, this it's is a lovely song. It's, yeah. it's, 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 but it's also so dad rock. <laughs> I didn't realise what it was looking at the list. I was just like, oh, this song. Yeah. Oh, this song. Oh. But then by the end, I was like, yeah, this song. Yeah. It's yeah. so lovely. Yeah. Like, and it's just, I love the the vocals are like somehow so energised, but also really lackadaisical and just yeah. slacker, but he's really into it. And those guitar melodies just weaving through everything. And oh, it's lovely. The film, I'm glad you mentioned the bee costume. Like the film yeah. is so gorgeous. Yeah. It's the best. Yep. This little girl in a bumblebee Beast. costume. This <laughs> little girl in the bumblebee Beast. costume getting laughed off the stage and yeah. then wandering around the city lost and then finding a field full of bee, bee people. people. And yeah, it's like, boy. oh my god, it's so heartwarming. And that's what you get from the whole song. Yeah. Totally. Like it's just it's sunshine and it's just like and just the, yeah, you know, my life is pretty plain. I like watching puddles gather in the rain. Like, oh, oh man. Me too, Blind <laughs> Me too. Huh. Well, it's interesting that you view it that way because I see it as an immensely sad song. Yeah, right. Did you, you know? watch it with the film clip? I, I'm aware of the film clip. But, and, but and I've seen it. You yeah. met, like, when you were preparing for this, you only listened to the song? I, yeah, when I was preparing for this. watching it, yeah. I was like, man, I'm so happy, but there's so much sunshine in this film clip. I yep. wonder if I was listening to it without that, if I'd feel differently. Well, when I listen, I mean, if you just look at the, the lyrics and whatever, and also you hear what people have said about the song and whatever, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's literally about, it's depression. The yeah. song is depression. Well, a, he was a sad man. Yeah, immensely. Yeah. And he's yeah. talking Sadly about, no longer with us. Of course, yeah. Oh, no, no, the, the, the writer of the song was actually uh, Brad. He was the he was the main writer of oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. But Shannon, who's the, the lead singer, singer yeah. two, years, two years later would die from a drug overdose. Yeah. Cocaine. Uh, and a heart Terrible. Attack. Yeah, like, and I think... It captures depression pretty pretty well, like that kind of, you know, like oh, I hate that it's sunny outside because now I don't have an excuse to lay around and feel sorry for myself. Mm. Like that's that's what it is. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, and um, and you know, like that that's that's what it's been stated that it is. And, and yeah, the, the, the lyrics are wonderful. Yeah, like in that way. And you know what? Like I think it's to its credit that you can still view it as being sunny. Like yeah, well, that's and the I mean, thing. Like, front, yeah. that front and that sunny disposition and that poppiness only yeah. kind of. Accentuates, right, elevates. How sad it might be. Yeah. yeah the thing to well, make is, to yeah, that. no rain is all about the light and the dark. Yeah, that, totally. that's what it is. It's a, it's a song that is all about the contrasts that lie within it. Uh, I think that's what works about it. Uh, the vocals are a bit of an acquired taste. Uh, I know, like a lot of people would like the kind of raspy, lispy kind of thing that he's got going on. Uh, a lot, like a lot of people, just saying that's kind of odd, especially for this kind of music. But I think I think it works to the song's favour. I really like it. Uh, it's a it's an interesting kind of pop crossover where it's that uh, yeah. yeah, it's that kind of very summery, jangly in- indie rock sort of stuff, which 
wasn't that huge in the charts at the time. Exactly. But then, yeah. but then exactly. So I think that's why it stood out because it's just like, oh, there's nothing else like this in the charts right now. It was like a couple of years back. Uh, we're in 2014. <laughs> uh, a couple of years back when uh, Fun and Gautier were at the top of the charts, and that sounded absolutely nothing like everything else because you know you had the like Flo Rider and Britney and Will I Am and shit like that at the top of the charts. So, William. but William, yes, of course, <laughs> Will dot I. Um, what a prick. Uh, <laughs> um, so to have stuff like that coming through was really interesting. And so at this point, you've got like Salt and Pepper and people like that uh, kind of dominating the airwaves. So for something as timid and kind of self-reserved, but also very honest and very sweet as, as Blind Melon. Yeah. Like back and... Re- yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. yeah. It's so, like, for that to kind of... So for that to kind of come, la- over, come and take over the airwaves is kind of really interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's Out- a lazy afternoon yeah. of a song. Outside yeah. of the, I guess, the lyrics, as you said, they do hit, uh, I guess, some darker themes than the sound of the song implies. Yeah. Um, I guess, in a way, kind of Pixies-ish in that regard. Huh. Um, yeah. Good callback. Call call um, also, yeah. Beck, Girl, it's that same yeah, kind of approach. music yeah. Yeah. But, like, I do think that, like, this song itself, when it's on, all it is is, I am outside, I am lying on the grass, and I've had a couple too many beers. <laughs> it's just chill city. Right it's on. so, I was like, oh, yeah, man, I get it, and it's all cool, and... And it's not only upon like repeated listens because the song is so great that you do want to hear it again when it's gone because it's just so lovely. Yeah. And then you pay attention to the lyrics and you're like, oh, it's actually quite, quite a little bit of melancholy here. But isn't that wonderful? You've you've kind of created a persona of someone who doesn't quite know how to ask for help. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. which is so if, telling if, sometimes. If that, that is the intention, if, that is, if that is the intention of the song, and that's a true masterstroke. That's what I'm calling. Yeah. I'm calling that because, and I think that Adam is nothing great. if not about creating his own fictions around these. Oh, hell, <laughs> I love, I'm loving on that. I, and I also think like Dave, you were talking about how it's it's kind of doing the, the folky thing yeah I mean like you look how big alt country and alt folk is now like sure. I think this song was a little bit ahead of its time in that way to bring I can that see that no, yeah. that's yeah, a valid point I, I, I can totally think that if it was released today it would be as successful as when it was released in 1993 because you know, even maybe more so because the, we're more in tune with that with, with some other acts that yeah. have come through in the mainstream now I, I think this song could have potentially been number one and if it was I would have been like yep cool it like, makes, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty inoffensive. Yeah. Like, it would be... There's not much to be, hate about yeah, it. Yeah, it'd be pretty hard to be like, oh, I hate this song. Mm. Yeah. Like, I guess, you know, if you're like, it's so boring or whatever, but like, it's... It might it's be... Not, it, it could totally so be a contextual hate, like hearing it all the time on the radio or yeah. at work yeah. or something like that. And like, Even then, I hear it all the time on the radio because I'm on the radio. Yeah. And, I, and, and I this is it. a Power of Hem song. Oh, hell yeah. We played, <laughs> yeah, we, we, this still is in pretty high rotation. It was certainly a... Oh, right, this song. Exactly, yeah. But whenever I hear it, I'm just like, great, this song's coming up. And I'll yeah. never get tired of hearing it. So there's a, there's a love here. So much love. On that note, we've got to be honest here. Does anyone here have a relationship with Blind Melon that goes beyond this song? No, and a lot I, of people don't. And Blind Melon hated the song because of that. They yeah, often right, refused yeah, to play it. Right. It became one of those songs that was like, this is our only hit, therefore we hate it, therefore we're not playing it live, and therefore they all became a bit of a mess. There's been more of them of those songs in this countdown than I, than I anticipated. Oh, the king of those is coming up. Well, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But, like, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's not something I associate with Triple J as much mainstream music yeah so there's been a few more I feel like that I, I do know some other Blind Melon songs and I can't think of what they are the, yeah. the album it might be another oh it's that song yeah, yeah. yeah it would be yeah but this is definitely the big one it yeah. sure is and it's a great escape <laughs> <laughs> at number three this is the Cranberries with Linger Thank you. 
Cranberries at number three in the 1993 Hottest 100 with Linga. Adam, you've got me wrapped around your finger, so please tell us your tale. Tell us your tale involving the Cranberries. We're in the the crèche right now. We are sharing some Guinness so I can tell you a tale. I adore this song, man. I just do. Like, as soon as the strings hit in the beginning, oh, and that, yep. that kind of that precursor little piece of music before the actual thing comes yes, in, yes, yes, yes. it's just unendingly lovely. And I think the just everything about it, all the elements and whatever, the vocal performance, the kind of dreaminess, uh, the way it just kind of floats through, it's like a really fluffy white cloud, and it's wonderful to be a part of. Uh, only got to number 33 on the charts of that year, but like the the kind of... Legacy that it's left behind since. Oh, it's stuck around. Totally. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I think rightly so. Like, I think this, it's great that it got to number three in the countdown. And I think, like, it's, it's, it's truly like a masterfully done pop song with so much heart and so much whimsy and so much loveliness within it. Like, and the string hook. Like, endlessly, that str- those strings again and again and again and again. Like, all I have to say is superlatives. I adore this song, and you know, like I, I didn't realize how much I loved it until I was prepping for this. But it's like, man, this is not this is not something I casually love. Like, this is nice. genuine adoration for this track. Hmm. Um, yeah, I quite like it as well. Honestly, Dolores's voice. What's not, man, what's not exactly. How could you not love her voice, especially when those harmonies kick in? The yeah, chorus. yeah. Oh, it's just such a that, that chorus is where the song leads. Obviously, for me, totally. It's just yeah. you're saying such a fool yeah. for you. Yeah, like, like, oh, oh man. Yeah, right, right, finger. Yeah, like, do you have to? Do you have to? Like, oh my god, it's so lovely. That's yeah. the thing. Like, I, th- I, I think the verses actually kind of meander a little bit. I'm not huge. I don't fall into it with the verses that much. But then when the chorus comes in, I forget about it so immediately. Yeah, because it's so like it's like the such a fool for you. It's so. It's such a genuine dorky. Yeah. It's about her first kiss. Yeah, which yeah. Which is like, it, it's yeah, even it's that, sweeter. It's dorky, yeah. sweet, yeah. like innocent kind yeah. of. Yeah, it's just, I love it so much. It's yeah. such Me a wonderful. Too. Honest, yeah. Honestly, I, I, I'm fully aware that you guys see me as the giant puppy dog of this countdown that just loves everything. You don't know While, while Adam, it, uh, like... Uh, I kind of see him that way. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's probably more like the cat just sulking in the corner who just hates everything. <laughs> who am I? Who am I? What am I? Oh, <laughs> uh, you could be... You could be the... You could, you the, could be the duck. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> we just occasionally feed you bread and you're yeah. quite happy for it. Quack. <laughs> Look, I get that everyone's just like, oh, this is the best thing ever. This is the best thing ever. It is pretty fucking rare for me to love a song as much as I love this song. Nice. No, it's not. <laughs> On, to this degree. Okay. Adam is the moose. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's the moose? What's a fact-checking animal? The contrarian <laughs> moose. Yeah. No, Adam, the owl. Adam is the bull because he's stubborn as fuck. Nope. 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 nope I would nope, go nope, and see nope, a band nope. called Contrarian Moose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they play. It's just six guys on theremin. Yeah. Make it happen, Sydney. <laughs> Is that guy playing the feedback? <laughs> Anytime you want to start a band called Contrarian right. Moose, I will learn to play something and we'll do that. Right. The Cranberries to me are severely overlooked and severely underrated, despite the the two major hits that they've yeah. had uh, throughout the 90s. There is so much more to them. Their albums are incredible. This record in particular, Everyone Else Is Doing It So Why Aren't We?, is a great album that I strongly recommend. Featuring Dreams as well. Indeed, which is yeah. another awesome, awesome track. Dolores, as we've mentioned, is a stunning vocalist who really just picks out the emotive core of everything that she sings about. And 
It is just an absolute joy to listen to. When this song just kicks into full gear, I am just absolutely lost in it. I remember hearing this song as a kid, along with Zombie. Uh, spoiler alert, we do get to talk about Zombie at, uh, oh, yeah. mm. at a later date. Mm. Uh, spoiler alert, this is the Cranberry song that I like. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Again, we'll cross that bridge. Yeah. We'll cross that bridge. But... I remember this song to me just sounds like falling in love. It's yeah. it's every it's a valid call. Yeah, it just it just it, the peaks and valleys of it, the the swelling and just that moment of bliss when it all just comes together and just pushes through in that fucking glorious release. I I just fucking love this song, and I get. Adam, that you're Yo. so cool and you only like like two things ever, but uh-huh. I fucking love this song, okay? <laughs> so I like this song as well. <laughs> That's one of the two Everyone things, man. Everyone likes this song. Yeah, but you, like this, you <laughs> like this song. I fucking yeah, love true. this song. I, yeah, I like it. <laughs> you think you like this? You don't like this song compared to Davis. <laughs> you don't, man. I don't. Really. It made me think, tone-wise, like obviously in execution, this song is great and the other no. song that I'm going to mention is not great. But tone-wise, I think it's kind of going for a similar feel as 10,000 Maniacs. Yeah, um, right. What they were. Yeah, okay. that's a valid point. Like, it's yeah. that kind of really light, sweet, like, you know, the, the obvious difference is that this is good. Um, <laughs> and, but this has depth and complexity and there's so much to Hi, 10,000 Maniacs! Yeah, look, yeah. you know... Guys, too many Maniacs for the broth. It's in the name. <laughs> Many maniacs make light work. <laughs> now, of course, uh, we can't waste all of our cranberries talk. Uh, save some cranberries. Yeah, save, save some cranberries for later. Yeah. So, for this moment, we are just going to have to let it linger. At number two. Oh, two. Two. So close. So close, yet so far away. In the 1993 Hottest 100... The first of many appearances over the next few years. But this is the closest this band will ever get to the top. Number two. Yep. From the album Pablo Honey. Oh, did you kill me? What is it? It's the killers. Just... <laughs> <laughs> this is Rammstein with... <laughs> with do ask. <laughs> Nine! <laughs> this is Radiohead with Creep.
Radiohead at the n- number two position in the pole position. Penultimate. Penultimate pole position of the 1993 Hottest 100 with the song Creep. And we're going to throw it to our resident creep, Mr. Andrew McDonald. This song, like, I, I want to bag on it because it's... Well, please do. Because it's easy and fun to do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that is, again, partly the thing we've mentioned many times. The thing that I've mentioned many times is going down yeah. about where, how much you can blame the band for the result that the song has in fandom. Mm. And this, like, because honestly, whatever, this song is good. It's a great... Like kind of indie pop rock song. All the elements work together. It's really tops. It's love for an incredibly damn good reason. I guess really the only thing that's more like pleb than saying that it's your favourite Radiohead song is saying is the not is, is pretending you don't like the song. Like, huh? Okay. Because saying it's your favourite Radiohead song is pretty filthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's empirically the wrong opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but likewise. Even filthier is being like, oh, it's a heap of shit song, it's always crap, whatever, I'm more into the more experimental works. Like, you know, take it's the most challenging so song. So you hate Tom York's opinion? Well, no, they, they, <laughs> they, they revitalised in 2003, you know, they play it live. No! You don't. Because they famously hate this. Yeah. Like, yes. was, like they famously, like, they act like they They hate haven't it. played it in about five no, no, years, no, no. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Oh, man, well, Tom, I've got some quotes here from Tom York saying, like, he, he describes, using, like, writing this song They're tattooed as, on you, aren't they? Yeah. You've got Tom York tattooed <laughs> down your arm. Love of quotes. I don't much care for creep. Yeah, I'm gonna my elbow so I can make him talk. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever I need. Like, what do you think? Hey, elbow talk. <laughs> Hi um, everybody. I'm he's, Tom York. Yeah, I he, live in Adam's armpit. <laughs> yeah, he 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 just he says that you know like uh, he's used the the term Satan's cock in referring yeah. to. Well, what he's very hyperbolic, and also it's easy to shit on your own work off the cuff yeah. and not realize that it's going to be held in like reviewers. And like interviewers esteem for a long while as like oh, brought like, up in podcasts exactly years, yeah like, um, <laughs> but like by handsome people yeah. Yeah. well, well three handsome of, people um, I'm right here guys <laughs> <laughs> but like that's the thing I do, like this song is great it's great, it's, yep. an, it's an excellent pop rock song it's just that it, or the only thing that you can really say about it because like anything that you're gonna say is already been said yes sure. um, yeah in yep. fact it's the fact that it's I guess about weirdness and creepiness. And it's such a straightforward, easy-listening song. I'm not sure if that irony is lost on the band, because it is incredibly easy to listen to. It is, the, yeah. the Obviously, the most exciting thing about it, and everyone knows, is just that Johnny Greenwood, like, half-improvised, half-planned, like, jin 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 crunching. Yeah, the guitar scratches before the chorus. It's obviously... Yeah. It, it, it's what makes the song. Yeah. It's what make, turns the song into just being, like, a pretty good alternative rock song into, how good's that bit in Creep? Like, yeah, true. People, like, people still talk about it. And it's, it's it's fixing it, villain. Yeah, but also also York's climax in Run, like that's yeah, yeah fully it's untouchable yeah. as a moment in music. Yeah. If you can nail that as a vocalist, like you you, you you're, Tom York. You're, you're set. Yeah, and you're also Tom York. Yeah, it belies what the band were capable of as a song because it's super straightforward, easy listening, and they ended up like doing obviously incredibly more things. Yeah. But yeah, like, totally, it's still a kick-ass song. I still think there's something about the tone of the song and what the song is saying and how the song feels about the world at large that is embryonic for what Radiohead would do later on. It's to a certain degree. It's simple. Yeah, I, th- I think it's more... They were young. But it's, it's more self-serving than Radiohead got when they were fantastic. Oh, totally. But I mean, like, I think that's part of the, the embryo stage. Yeah, right. like, I think... I, I still think, like, 
the kind of disillusionment and the kind of uh, feeling alone and you know, yeah, of like, course, yeah, that loneliness. All, they've, 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 yeah. they've been dwelling on those themes that other trucks of public honey that do it as well. They've yeah, always totally. been dwelling on those ideas. Yeah. Well, and I love that. I love yeah. that you can look back and say, like, you know what, Radio Fanning, you, yeah. you did start in high yeah. school. You did, yeah. you did, you know, write a lot of songs early on, and this is kind of what it is, and it's great yeah. for that. But and it also displays what's yeah. going to come later on if you look. At, I mean, maybe it's me reading well, into it. No, 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 no. Knowing no, no, what no, yeah, sure. Yeah, obviously, the shittest thing in the world is that there's the sense of urgency. I'm so very special. Oh, God, it's obviously, so that's the crappiest bad. thing. That's there the, is. yeah, that's yeah. the crappiest thing. Um, speaking of Tom York hating the song, though, like this is I love this story. Yeah, he hates it so much, and people would still request it. He actually there was a time where any band that was warming up for Radiohead, they were playing Creep. That's so funny. That's amazing. And he made them do that so they wouldn't request creep when Radiohead oh, came up and played this. Oh, I was thinking they did it to rile him up. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'd do rude. that to fuck off, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're kidding. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, That'd be incredible. <laughs> like, I, I discovered this song as a teenager. Yeah. And I am not too big to say that... That's shaped it. Heaps important song yeah. mm. when you're a teenage yeah. guy because and again like something that Tom York has said he said you know like he finds it really hard uh, being a guy in the um, alternative rock scene of the nineties you know like the and the kind of the sexual politics of it and that's kind of where this song spawned from he's he talked about uh, I liked them more, <laughs> more before I knew that Tom. really oh. yeah yeah, yeah. Wait. Pretty tough okay. being a hetero white dude in the 90s. Well, oh. no, no, I'll, I'll get the clown. Oh, I've got a wonky <laughs> eye. Oh. I've got the clown. It, it is pretty wonky. I it is totally wonky. I won't misquote him because I've got the quote here. He right. says, okay, let's see I have a real problem being a man in the 90s. Uh, any man with any sensitivity or conscience towards the opposite sex would have a problem. To actually assert yourself in a masculine way without looking like you're a hard without looking like you're in a hard rock band is very difficult to do. It comes back to the music we write, which is not effeminate, but it's not brutal in its arrogance. It is one of the things I'm always trying. I've got a cracked screen. I'm reading off my phone. That is very Uh, euphoric. To assert a sexual persona, on the other hand, trying desperately to negate it. Tom York. That is... There's, there's, like... The intention is is, is on the mark. But the result is... Just, like... The the result is from a professional quote maker. (laughs) Just, guys, you don't need to talk about it being tricky to be a guy because of sexual politics. Like, that's just... Tricky, tricky, It's not about you. On the other hand, Johnny Greenwood says that it's a happy song about realising what you really are. Classic, classic Greenwood. Classic Greenwood. Classic Greenwood. Am I right? The bro of Radiohead. Uh, he is though. <laughs> he totally is. Yeah. You, know, you know, my Johnny my... Greenwood's easily my favorite member of Radiohead. He's oh, a yeah. fucking boss. Yeah, Johnny and the Greenwoods. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. He's one of the best guitarists of also, this oh, entire definitely. modern era. His soundtrack amazing. work is fantastic. Yeah. There'll be blood, dude. Holy There'll be blood shit. soundtrack. Yeah. Did I tell you my? Do you know my favorite part of when I saw Radiohead live? Cables was, that he's doing. No, it's, 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 it's this moment where I was looking at the, the jumbo screen, the jumbo vision, whatever, and it was just this one moment where Johnny Greenwood had his head down and he was playing the guitar, and all of a sudden his head just shot up, and it looks as though he was still he was still playing along, and he was not missing a note or whatever, but he was concentrating so hard. He just had an idea, and he was just like he was just like looking as though he just like he was he was listening intently for something. Yeah, and then like. I was. I started listening harder at that point as well. I was like, "What is? What's? What's? What's going on with Johnny right yeah. now?" <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like I saw him nod and just go back to what he was doing. Like he nodded to himself and acknowledged, "Like, yep, everything's fine." And then went back to doing what he was doing. I was like, "Man, you're a composer, and you're yeah. just making sure did that I, everything sounds right." Did I turn the lights off before I left the hotel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, maybe it was. Yeah, maybe yeah, there are people maybe. that have that job. <laughs> 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 oh fuck! I'm off the stove on. Pretty oh, sure that's already a fight. I was in a I haven't made. I'm in radio. 
Have we all seen Radiohead here? I was overseas when it happened. Missed that one. Ah, uh, yeah. Looks like it's just me and Boncha. That's what I'm. Yeah. Oh, you, you, I was you with. Show. Oh, I was with Andrew. Yeah. Oh, Andrew, Andrew was empathising. You, you bought my ticket. I did. Yeah. Yeah, it was a birthday present. Yes, it was. Yeah. And then we oh, saw boy. Refused the very night after. Were you at Refused? Nope. No. I was. Oh, you were. Okay. Cool, cool. That was very good. Dave, Dave's two for two. Come on. Another one. That's better. Yeah. I remember reading that one was shit. Uh, <laughs> I remember reading an essay not too long ago. I tried to find it and I couldn't find it this morning. Just comparing Creep to Smells Like Teen Spirit. Huh. They're both sort of talking about huh. uh, infatuation and sexuality and, and things like that. But in the way that Nirvana turns it outward and it's very aggressive... Um, Radiohead is very introspective, yeah, and cool. introverted, and cool. stuff like yeah, that. That's yeah, cool. I, I can and play that. Talking about that, the essay talked about that as marking a shift from old music, which Nirvana was representing, and, and stuff like that, to a mm. more introspective stuff. And you know, you can sort of see that with even in the countdown already, like Smashing Pumpkins and stuff yeah. like that. It's got that going. Britpop is all about that. Like, I wonder if that essay will be in the podcast notes. It depends if uh, anyone is handsome hope, enough. Hopefully, to find you can it. find it. Yes. <laughs> I'd love to read that. <laughs> yeah, it was really, yeah, it was really good. And I, I did try and find it, but it was like it's it's an interesting thing to consider those two songs, which do have a pretty strong thematic link, uh, but yeah. they handle it in very different ways. And you can sort of consider that as as a shift, you know, like yeah, Britpop. Even you know, you start to get things like Elliot Smith and yeah, uh, introspection starts being a much yeah. bigger thing in in at least alternative music, I guess. Yeah, cool. uh, rather than outwards. Yeah, nice. I've always been fascinated by Creep purely on the basis that. Technically, Radiohead are a one-hit wonder. <laughs> yeah, I know. No yeah. one, no one ever thinks about that, dude. I work with they people who honestly think bands. that. I work with people who. Think what are the happening, guys? Do you remember Radiohead? Yeah, that song, um, creepy, creepy, creepy. Cre- yeah. cre- yeah. cre- yeah. What yeah. happened to I'm those guys? Guys, creepy. Yeah, I'm a creepy. I'm a creepy. I'm a creepy widow. Guys, it's too real. <laughs> it's too real. I work with these people. It's it's rough. And then they went on to become like one of the biggest bands in the last twenty years. Like, go figure. Yeah. You can't you can't say that about the bare naked ladies, can you? They have a strong following. Yeah. It's true, but not nowhere near big as Radiohead. <laughs> well, you know, it's just, just as big. in Canada, <laughs> they're BNL. Just in Canada, Canada some might even consider BNL the Canadian Radiohead. Yeah. <laughs> Canadian head. Canadian um. head. <laughs> There's probably I'm so sorry. I do, I do love this song. Uh, Me too. Not only for those bits like the guitar scratches and that vocal run. Yeah. Uh, vocal run, similar to the. Yeah. But I, it, I also know what greatness it will eventually lead to. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's, nice. it's it, for me it's like watching Cassius Clay throw his first punch or watching that YouTube video of Rage Against the Machine playing their first ever show. You know, it's stuff like that, like really early stuff where you're just like, ah, oh. or like watching Michael Jackson singing Ben, mm. just being down to like, yeah, right, yeah, just like, oh yeah, this, this is going to be huge. This is where it all starts. But you know what? Like, you know, the effect we were talking about with everybody hurts. I feel like Creep's got it a little bit too. Yeah, that's a valid point. And I think yeah. you can look past all that. And there's some really nice stuff in there. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, the, I want a perfect body. I want a perfect soul. Like. It's, yeah, know, it's a bit on the nose and it's easy to laugh at, but like, it, no, you no, know, there's something in there. Yeah, if totally. you're in the right space, you connect with that. It's like, yeah. man, that like. There's a reason that, there. like, the fact that it was so, that that particular line was so adopted by the, I guess, the Pro Anna community hinders the songs. Oh, really? Yeah. Was that a. Hugely. Ouch. Yeah, hugely. <laughs> hinders the songs, uh, effective. 
kind of thing for just someone who's like a miserable guy. Yeah. But then also, there's a reason it was adopted by that as well. Like, mm-hmm. it had a legitimate connection. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Like, it, it, it had a legitimate connection with wow. some seriously wounded, uh, confused people. That's crazy. Wow. I, I was not aware of that. That's crazy. The more you yeah. know. Mm, cool. We will get a few more chances to talk about Radiohead over the years. Idiot tech! Hey! Oh, seriously? Yeah, man. Yes! So, man, so that's, that's coming up. Uh, I think even as recently... Also, computer things as well. Even as recently... Oh, yeah, that album. Even as recently <laughs> as 2011 or 2012, I think they got in. So. Yeah, Feral? No, Feral, uh, Lotus Flower. Of course. Yeah. Oh, Feral will get in. So, <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> but, um... Considering it will be a little while, uh, I'd just like to quickly go around and ask uh, uh-huh. everyone what their favourite Radiohead song is. Idiotech. What? Idiotech? No question. Great choice. Yeah, I'm just going to say Idiotech because that's easier than like having a proper yeah. sit down and, and think and yeah. comparing songs. Mine is Everything in Its Right Place. Also jam. With, yeah. a, with a close second being Pyramid Song. Mm. Don't make mm. me do this. Don't make me do this. Gun to your head. No, I, 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 Two guns. Optimistic. Great choice. Okay. Okay. Wow, we love Kid A. Yeah. <laughs> it's an awesome fucking record. <laughs> That's my favourite Radiohead album. Drunk a bunch of better wedding. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing wrong with Punch Up at a Wedding. No, I like it. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. good track. I love, I love how to the I'm actually going to a wedding just to start one. Nice. No, 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 well, I, I can say that this, this, this discussion has been so fucking special. So I'm very, very glad that this all happened. Thanks oh. a lot, creeps. Hey, Dave. Yeah. It's number one time, man. It is. Folks, 99 songs have been and gone, and here we are at the very end of 1993 and the end of season one. This is number one in the 1993 Hottest 100 from the album No Cure for Cancer. Your friend and mine, Mr. Dennis Leary, with Arsehole. Folks, I'd like to sing a song about the American dream. About me. About you. About the way our American hearts beat way down in the bottom of our chests. About that special feeling we get in the cockles of our hearts. Maybe below the cockles. Maybe in the subcockle area. Maybe in the liver. Maybe in the kidneys. Maybe even in the colon. We don't know. I'm just a regular Joe with a regular job. I'm your average white suburbanite slob. I like football and porno and books about war. I got an average house with a nice hardwood floor. My wife and my job, my kids and my car. My feet on my table and a Cuban cigar. To keep a man like me interested Oh no No way uh-uh. No I've gotta go out and have fun At someone else's expense Oh yeah 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 I drive really slow In the ultra fast lane While people behind me Are going
Congrats, my friend. First prize. First prize. (laughs) You won first chair. There has been so much anger and discussion over the Hottest 100s of recent years. The second anyone finds out, Oh, this band or song I didn't like got in. Oh, why doesn't Triple J play sport debate anymore? Yeah. That kind of shit. Who, so, are, who are the Vance Joys? <laughs> <laughs> I've never even heard of a Riptide. I've never been to the thrifty shop of mice and men. What? Uh, I'm out of touch and I'm proud of it. Oh, <laughs> That's you. (laughs) That's you, Facebook. That's what you sound like. Can you imagine? Imagine. Fuck you, Facebook. Imagine. 
<laughs> Imagine if we ended it there today. Oh. Go back to your baby animals concert, you fucking dinosaur oh. cunt fucks. Okay. Jesus shit. Hey, remember 1993 when the winner of the Hottest 100 wasn't even a musician? <laughs> remember that? This isn't real music. No, it's not real music. That's the fucking point. He's a comedian, you fucking idiots. Imagine if 1993 happened in 2014. Fuck, That'd can you... Cool. That whole thing, just the anger. It's just like, oh, all these other bands have fucking poured their hearts into this real music and then this fucking funny man comes along. Oh, the think pieces. <laughs> the endless think pieces. Gorka just like, is this the end of Triple J? <laughs> just letting non-musicians win? Oh, I don't even know anymore. When I first discovered that the first ever winner of an annual Hottest 100 wasn't even a musician, it was a stand-up comedian who just happened to release one song ever, I laughed and laughed and laughed. And subsequently, when I first heard the song, that laughter continued. I will never not love this song. It is a irony-laden anthem of being... It's that idea of the loud, obnoxious American who doesn't care about anyone else but himself. You've seen that guy. Whether it's been on TV, whether you've interacted with them at some vaguely touristy destination. (laughs) You know exactly who he's talking about when he points to this average white suburbanite slob. And he takes them apart. And I fucking love that. I get so much out of this song. I know it word for word. I can even do the rant in the middle about the uh, the convertible hot pink with whale skin hubcaps. I fucking love that whole thing. Just that whole exaggerated idea of being uh, a carnivore and yeah. super anti-environment. Littering the, the box and shit. And yeah, just yeah. being so pro-war and that whole thing. Uh, being obsessed with John Wayne and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I love that whole thing. He just goes absolutely ham, as, it, <laughs> as we get to say in the 2014 times. <laughs> so I, I'm very happy to end out this way. I fucking love this song, and I will never not love this song, despite the fact I, I think Dennis Lear is a bit of a prick, yeah. <laughs> to be totally honest. He's the Sabertooth Tiger and Ice Age. <laughs> he is the Sabertooth Tiger and Ice Age. Yeah. He's also in Rescue Me, which, uh, which has its moments, but... Uh, it's well documented that this guy was essentially a Bill Hicks tribute act yeah. when it came to his actual stand-up. And then, huh. and then when Bill Hicks died of cancer, he wrote an album called No Cure for Cancer. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit on the nose. Well, that's that's that, that's where the joke goes. You know, why yeah. why is Dennis Leary one of the most famous comedians of the last 20 years while Bill Hicks is a cult hero? There's No Cure for Cancer. Exactly right. Uh, now, huh. I'd like to throw this one to my fellow asshole. Mm. You're, you're a creep and an asshole. <laughs> you're a creepy weirdo. I've seen the nicest things. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. There are a few people. I, there are a few people I love in the world as much as Andrew McDonald. Oh, well, thank you. You're a hero um, of mine, my friend. This song is tempting to just kind of crap on it because it is the, like the joke novelty song. But it's <laughs> similar to a lot of them. You said you've been tempted to crap on a lot yeah, of things. There's, I don't know, but like, again, there's. I heard this. I remember. I remember this song from being a kid. I remember when it first came out. Yep. Yeah. Was, yeah. Was crack, cracking up over it. Oh yeah, man. Seven year old or whatever. However old it was when it came out. So part of me will always have that kind of nostalgic attachment to it. But again, like I guess like so many comedy songs, its weakness comes in the fact that there actually just aren't enough jokes in it. Each verse is only one line. And each verse 
only has like the one kind of punchline to it. Like, just like the 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 funniest thing about it, I think, is the fact that um, it's got the like the, 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 such a bad asshole. And the, the worst thing it's got, like one of the terrible things this guy does, is walk around in the summertime saying, "How about this heat?" Because <laughs> I fucking hate that so much. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like oh, when someone's like, "Oh, it's raining." Yeah, it is, man. <laughs> How about that rain? Yeah, that, I, like, I, I love that. That's small a small talk about the weather. You just like punch. Yeah, yeah. I love that being a criticism. And I, I actually think the rant towards the end, I don't really pay. I just kind really? of really, yeah. I don't know something bad doesn't really click with me. Same it's as just the um, so obviously cartoonish yeah, and dumb. Yeah. I love um, that for it. But again, something at the start though, after the um. Like when he goes, but sometimes that just isn't enough. Uh oh, no way. There's yeah. something really actually ah, yeah. ah. something good musically about that back yeah, and that's, forth. That's quite yeah, nice. the, guitar- the guitarist good. slash backing vocalist is the understated hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. when he interrupts halfway through, yeah. just like you know, you really are an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> that nice. bit, then back and forth, and again when when Leary goes, um, just the, shut up and sing the song. No, no, pal. When he, at the start, when he goes, and a Cuban cigar. It's yeah, yeah like the harmony there is amazing. There are bits about this song that really. Work yeah. and that it riles me up that it works so well. <laughs> but yeah, I know this like there's some I, 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 I couldn't love more. That this is number one. The song has a lot of problems, but I just love that this is the number one. It's there's something perfect about that. It's a sign and, of the times. Yeah, yeah, and I will honestly and like when it comes like I will sing along to the chorus. I've got no shame. Yeah, yeah. it's heaps fun. Yeah, like, hell yeah. yeah. I pay it probably more than I should because I know there's heaps of problems with it. It's not as funny as it could be. The rant I don't really pay. The start thing about the Blow the cockles of your heart is kind of shit. Uh-uh. Um, Subcockle area. Subcockle area. It's kind of shit. And the ending goes on like too long. But there's something about it. I don't, I don't know. Guilty oh, is. Oh, dude, that yeah. ending when he goes into Scooby Doo. So good. Yeah, that, uh, again, there's just problems. I agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, I don't know. His voice at the start when he's doing the. Like, I think. I've always actually found necessary to have something about his voice to be really enchanting. Like. Not that I think he's a great comedian, but just like at the start there, he's doing that. I'm just an average Joe. It's really he's like, so satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, 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 I like football. Yeah, porno. exactly. It's about war. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and then that's he, hilarious. And then when he, his um his actual rough voice that um. But sometimes that's yeah. Just yeah. Oh, so good. He actually has a good grunge voice. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. There's something. Yeah. The there's setup, something of, the, the setup of the song is really great. There's just something to it, and yeah. I love this number one. I don't love the song, but I love that the song is number one. Exactly. Exactly. It's not the best song in the countdown, but it being on top of the countdown is the best is thing the that best. could have happened yeah. to the countdown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think a countdown, like, and I don't know, like, I, my main reservation with this song is that it's so American. I think that's largely because I just have a soft spot for Australian songs being in yeah. in the hottest 100, which isn't like, that's not a thing, but I, yeah. like, whenever Australian songs do well or are really well represented, I'm like, yeah, now that year, that's great. And, but also, like, this song being where it is, it just feels like such classic Australian larrikinism. Yeah. And we get to see a lot more of that, like, it's been pulling pants down in a couple of yeah. years. Like, that's so directly. Yeah, yeah it's totally. That attitude. Did Chris, Franklin, did Chris Franklin's um, Bogan song get in? Uh, no, it oh. didn't. Uh, but we do, get, we do get a couple of Australian comedians in the Hottest 100, yeah. namely uh, Peter Hellier and Paul McDermott. Both oh. get uh, songs in the Hottest 100. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just years. like this. This being number one is the best thing that could have happened. It's such a character-defining moment yeah. for the Hottest 100 that the first one ends with this. Yeah, I get, like I don't think that character holds true to today. No, but, but at least for the next changed, ten, the next ten years, you got like Tism, yeah. you know, like Regurgitator and Spider Bait. You got like Salmon Hater, like. All of that tone, yeah. it fit like this being number one sets that yeah, up, exactly. and you're like, "Cool, I know what Triple J is, yeah. and I know what the and also, is. and there's honestly, I know that I am quick to 
disparage this kind of thing that I'm about to say, but honestly, it is so Australian to have this song be the number one. <laughs> exactly. Song. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Hottest 100 with Creepers number one is just a very, very different countdown. Yeah. And also, it's far more obvious. Like, isn't it like, oh, some of the important songs from 1993. Like, oh, yeah, man, Creep. That's so good. It's so good. Oh, but have oh, you considered Hottest <laughs> <laughs> so I've been funny. the only one bringing that up it's in a conversation. so funny. Yeah. But also, like, and it's interesting because you talk about the tone shifting or whatever. Yeah, when they did the hottest 100 of all time, this was one of the only number ones that didn't make, didn't it, make it at game. all. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it wasn't a Guitar Hero game. Yeah. <laughs> oh my I'm god, it should have been. Yeah. <laughs> but most Later. of like that that no hottest way. 100 of all time, nearly all the songs in the top 20 were in the most recent Guitar Hero game. That's so funny. <laughs> like part of that is obviously Guitar, guitar Hero, Hero responding to what's popular in rock. But it goes both ways. Yeah. Like, wow. Totally. That's I have to, so I have to go back and have a look at that. Mm. Yeah. I, have, I have the same nostalgia that you do for this song, Andrew. Yeah. Um, when, you're and kid, when you're a kid, a song with the word asshole oh, is the man. chorus. Oh, it's just the whole song. the radio. Yeah. The whole tone of it. And you, know, you know this song has the word asshole in it. Right. <laughs> 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 they didn't know and they put it to air. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> this is Dennis Leary's As Shoal. By Iron Butterfly. But I think it also, like, having this song as number one and having King Missile in the countdown, hey, and yeah, in the yeah. countdown, and Radom in the countdown, it's just like, okay, we know where the demographic was. We know that, like, Triple J is a youth radio station. I think it represents youth really well in yeah. this 1993 countdown. Yeah. Also, there's a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That should be number one. There's also a few totally. things in there really that I think that. is... Yeah. Is it represents the other side of Triple J, which is the you know the people who see to it as an alternative station, and that's why we have like mm. the Cranberries and stuff like that. And I think you yeah. see the divide of those two audiences, the youth and the alternative, really, really clearly throughout the voting. In, in mm, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. I, I pay this as a comedy song to be honest. Like yeah, I think as totally. far as as far as like top comedy songs that I've heard in my life, I I put this up there because I yeah. think it's it's pretty well crafted for what it is. Yeah. And I can't, I can't fault what you guys have said about this, the value of this being number one. And there it is. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dan. Proud of you, mate. That brings us to the end of the 1993 Hottest 100 and the end of season one of Hottest 100s and Thousands. What a rush. I want to thank heaps of people. Thank you all so much. Uh, anyone who has been with us from episode one. Uh, thank you, haven't? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Whenever, if whenever, here now. but yeah. especially, but especially people who who got on super early. Uh, Jack, thanks. Joe, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Jack. <laughs> thanks, Joe. Uh, thanks to my friend Paul McWhorter who has uh, said some really nice things and been really cool about uh, the podcast. Jack Riley, uh, amazing. Dominic Stevenson. Yeah. Um, Bono, just uh, just everyone that's been super yeah, supportive. Yeah, yeah, Dave yeah. Graney, just want to thank everyone that's I been. Thank Dave yeah. Graney. <laughs> <laughs> just want to thank everyone that's been really supportive of this podcast. This is just a tiny little idea that I had a co- uh, after uh, just yeah. listening to a, a couple of other music podcasts and going, I could do that. And I know, and I know the A team that I wanted. Uh, to be with me when I did it, so I'm. But real- unfortunately, he got Adam and Nathan. <laughs> <himself, laughs> but on a, honest, to, honest to God, Adam, Andrew, Nathan, thank you guys so much for Cheers, being man. a part of this and 
Uh, I I am really really no, happy. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. I, I've I've had so much fun doing this, and I can't wait to do even more over. Yes. Yeah, however long we'll, this be, we'll be back for season two. You're goddamn two. right. You are goddamn same bat time, same bat channel. Hell fuck yeah! Podcast. But before same bat broadcast. <laughs> but before we move on out, we are going to pick our favorites and our least favorites from this top ten, and we're going to start with Adam. Yeah, okay. Favorite, Regis the Machine. That yes. should come as a surprise to no one. Indeed. Uh, and, ooh, what am I going to go with my least favorite? Lemon! Mm. Okay. Uh, Andrew? Uh, my least favorite is, of course, Lemon. And lemon! Favorite, I don't know, toss up between Radiohead and The Cruel Sea. I'm going to have to cool. go with The Cruel Sea. Right on. Is, the nice. is oh, yeah, man, that's what I would like to hear. Uh, I am going to go... Uh, with Linger for my favourites in this top nice. 10. Nice. Yeah, it's, like I said, just beautiful stuff. And for my least favourite, I'm going to go with Stone Me Into the Groove. Oh, of course, also that fair. one. Also fair. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> even <laughs> forgot it existed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Nathan, your your choice. Man, it's really hard to pick a favourite, but I think I'm going to go with Cannonball. Cool. Nice. cool. cool. Awesome. Yeah, and then obviously least favourite Lemon. But, like, Stone Me Into the Groove, like, right, yeah. up, right up there at the bottom. <laughs> right up the bottom. Nicholas yeah. Frisk. I still like you. Nicholas. Hello, Nicholas. Nicholas. Thank you for listening, Nicholas. It's very cool of you. We're done. We have officially finished the Hottest 100 of 1993. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be away for a little while, so uh, let's just quickly go around and uh, throw in any links or any uh, things that we're going to be doing uh, while we're away from this podcast for a period. Andrew, do you have anything to plug? Twitter, Facebook, anything? Oh, not really. You can follow me on Twitter if you want. It's just <laughs> AndrewM13A. All yep. it is is just someone ranting about noise, intermittently talking about how depressed they are when they drink at 2am. So, that, dude, stick around. That's, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a Twitter feed worth following. Uh, Nathan, you're going to be doing some work with uh, Apple Spiel? Yeah, yeah. I'm taking a show down to Melbourne in August and September. Yes. Uh, performing at the Multihouse Theatre. Uh, Apple Spiel make a band and take on the recording industry. Where can we find music? Awesome. Where can we find some more information about uh, that? Wishbill.com. And uh, on Twitter? Yes. Of oh, me personally? Yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, NLF Harrison. And uh, our Apple Spiel on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. It's Apple Spiel. Just at, at Apple Spiel. Spiel. Awesome. S P I E L. S P I E L. Crap German for Apple Play. <laughs> Adam, uh, still still uh, cranking on Parafem? No, you dumb Parafem? Can we not promote me on Parafem? <laughs> what do you want to be promoted? Nothing, I'm not going to be doing anything. Probably over, probably travelling. Alright, well good to hear. Are you going to be blogging about that? or Dude, yeah. just skip me. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> well, hey! <laughs> David, you could what, be. David, what, what will you be doing over the I am... Uh, Mr. Music? Uh, hey, hey, that is precisely what I'm doing. I am working on my second album... It's going to be out by the end of this year, and it's called This Summer I Might Have Drowned. I play under the name Nothing Rhymes With David. So if you go to nothingrhymeswithdavid.bandcamp.com, you can get all my old shit for free. And uh, if you go to facebook.com slash nothingrhymeswithdavid, I will mostly just be posting about bands and artists that are far, far superior to me. Uh, you can also catch up with my writing uh, antics on davidjamesyoungwrites.wordpress.com and you can also follow me on Twitter at underscore Carnivus. That is C-A-R-N-A-V-A-S. Think the first Silver Sun Pickups album and you will be sweet from there. Would love to have you there uh, as I engage with the great minds of today such as Marlon Wayans and Andrew Stockdale <laughs> and Cab from Eskimo Joe 
just to name a few. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you all again for season two. And for one more time, on behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. It's been hot. Sure has. On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure, my friend. And on behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Thank you for having me. My name is David James Young. Keep music evil. Roll the credits! Hottest 100s and Thousands was brought to you by Adam Buncher, Andrew McDonald, David James Young, and Nathan Harrison. All episodes edited by David James Young. Hosted online by Podcast Machine. Podcastmachine.com Distributed online using FeedBurner. FeedBurner.com Recorded on location in Randwick, New South Wales, and Newtown, New South Wales. Our thanks to Nathan Harrison, Rachel Roberts, Andrew McDonald, Soph Watson, and Sterling McDonald Watson. Our theme song is Don't You Know Who I Am by Happy Land. Our bumper is a sample of Buy Me a Pony by Spider-Man. This has been a David James Young Rice production. Executive producers Adam Buncher, Andrew McDonald, and Nathan Harris. Otis 100s and Thousands was, is, and forever shall be filmed in front of a live studio audience.
Oh, you're still here. I wasn't expecting anyone to stick around to the end. Normally, this is where I tell you that Hottest 100s and Thousands is filmed in front of a live studio audience. That's what they pay me to say. But maybe I feel like getting something off my chest. Maybe I feel like breaking the fourth wall a little to let you guys in on a secret. Those of you that have stuck around until the end, the truth is that there is no studio audience. They made the whole thing up. And another thing they all actually really love the song somewhere. And you know what else? They all f***ing 